Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I have the pleasure of talking with longtime friend Scott Schutte. What's up, dude? How's it going, Joe? I'm so excited to talk to you. I know, because I kind of, um, I re-listened to my What's Your Story with um, Lenny and the gang, and um, I'm like, oh yeah, I did the uh, um, shameless plug that I wanted to be on your show, and you actually said, come on on the show! I'm like, that's... that's... <laughs> That's pretty good, right? Oh, so th- that's cool. And then um, you and I were talking beforehand. I've got I've got a cure all for bad days. I um, do you want to know what it is? Oh, please. Okay, all right. So first of all, like I traveled in from um, Nashville last night, and I got back at midnight. Uh, are you back to jetting full... around everywhere again? Yeah, well, not as much as I used to. Um, but yeah, and then jetting around nowadays. J- if anybody's got to go on an airplane, just say a prayer to the deity of your choice before you go anywhere. Just it's awful. I've never seen anything like it. Um, I think um, I think the great resignation has hit our airlines too. So they just don't have enough people to staff their overbooked flight patterns, and they're just trying to make up for it. Ugh. So I, I had a circus on the way out. Was okay. So I've. I'll, I'll tell you my story, and then I'll get to my cure So I'm going out to Nashville. I've got a meeting and a video shoot. I was in a studio all day yesterday, right? All day. So I have to be um, in my office, in the air vicinity of my office, thir- uh, Tuesday afternoon, right, to meet, prep, do stuff. So I got a 1 o'clock flight. It's supposed to get me into BNA at 4.30. Perfect, right? 9 o'clock after I get done working out, 9 o'clock. Yeah, your flight's been delayed. Uh, I get a little message. Flight's been delayed about 40 minutes. Well, I've, I've played this game before, right? So I immediately call, and uh, my connection's like a 30-minute connection. So I call Delta, and they're like, well, you could still make that. I'm like, no. Well, you know, if you wait for this flight, um, we could get you out on the 630, you being at like 839. No. No, that's not working for me either. Um, can I? Do you have anything earlier? They have to ask because earlier is a pain in the butt for them. Later is always good because they they can move stuff around to later. That's easy for them. Early is not good. It's nine o'clock. I go okay. Get anything earlier? Yeah, we get eleven o'clock. Okay, so I I quickly pack my bag, get in the car, race to the airport. I got on the plane with fifteen minutes to spare because there was an accident in front of the airport. Go figure, right? Oh. Right. So that that was a little tense. So, you know, I'm just on edge. Um, that flight that was supposed to leave at one thirty left at nine o'clock that night to get to Atlanta. I would have and they were giving people, you know, so I'm getting the text on the earlier flight, too. Like, you know, we're so sorry. Here's a, a lunch certificate. Here's a, you know, a hotel certificate. And I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. So, folks, when whenever that happens to you immediately. I don't care if you got status or not. You call the airline and you say, "Get, I need to be somewhere today. Options. What are my options? And then go with the best one. And then, um, yeah. So that was travel. And then I didn't get home till, oh, my God, midnight last night? Midnight, which is fine. But I'm just super exhausted, right? Just been on doing just one of those days where you're just doing stuff all day long. Boom, 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 boom. And, and, and I have to practice better self-care. We need to talk about that. But I'm telling you straight up, like, 
I'm exhausted. I'm already exhausted. I'm ready to get into midnight. Now I work a full 10 hour. It was a good 10 hour day at least, right? <laughs> so I'm all bummed. I'm going to talk to Joe. And Lynn's like, I don't want to cook. Okay. Do you want any food? I'll just order food. No, I don't want any food. Okay. So I ordered um, my favorite comfort food. Joe, what's your favorite comfort food? Oh, shit. Probably macaroni and cheese. That's good. I, that's too much carb for me. <laughs> Although what I ate was not better than that. Um, uh, uh, I had grilled cheese and tomato soup. Oh, that's a very good one. Gourmet grilled cheese sandwich. There's a place that does like a gourmet grilled cheese sandwich. It's like homemade bread and cheese, and they toast it, and then they you know, get the tomato soup. And I couldn't have been happy. I, I was immediately happy. Like, this is great. I know that the bread's not good for me. Bread is evil. Bread is bad. But damn it if I didn't feel amazing after, you know, tomato soup and grilled cheese. There's a um, there's a restaurant called Tom and Chi. They were on Shark Tank. Do you got Tom and Chi up by you? I've never seen one of those. It's um, it's a tomato cheese and no tomato soup and grilled cheese uh, restaurant. Oh, okay. The name suddenly makes sense. Yeah, and they do gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches. And then tomato soup. And and apparently they're wherever they're at, I gotta look where they're at. They're just gangbusters. Like people flocked to them. And I would too. I'd be like, Oh, I want that. That's gonna make me happy. <laughs> so Yeah. So I had a had a stressful kind of borderline crappy I got a lot done, but a you know, borderline crappy day. And then the uh, grilled cheese tomato soup. The other thing that I did today that we could talk about. <clears throat> yeah. Do you know what detachment is? Uh, like detachment in like a, like a psychology type sense. Somewhat. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know I, what I think maybe, but go ahead. Enlighten me. All right. So <clears throat> we're going to talk a little Jocko tonight. Cause I oh, love nice. talking about Jocko, <laughs> right? Jocko talks a lot about detachment and I got to tell you detachment. Once you learn about it, will change your life forever. But it took me a while to kind of figure it out because, oh, you got to detach, you got to detach. Detachment essentially is taking a step back of whatever situation you're in to get a bigger picture and taking some time to kind of figure out what's going on and making the right decision. Stephen Covey, did you ever read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? No, but I know you've told me about this book before. Why don't you? You get it and read it and give it to your kids. <laughs> Every kid needs to read this book. We wouldn't be so messed up if we read this book, but I think that's habit number two, which is uh, all about space, right? And so <laughs> say, that's convenient is, if habit number two of his book is buy my book. <laughs> I no no that's not that's not the habit buy my book. He, <laughs> he's dead. Stephen Covey's dead. He's not getting nothing. His estate's getting lots of money. They still have a leadership development place. They they call me every once in a while like, hey man, you come want to come work for us? I'm like, you need to put a little more money on the table than what you're offering. But at any rate, um. So in life, we have stimulus, right? So I'm standing next to Joe, and I slap Joe in the face. That's stimulus, right? Yes. Joe, your immediate response would probably be what? Hmm. Well, it depends on how large the person is. <laughs> well, it's me. So it's me. What would you... I, I look at you and I slap you in the face. Oh, my first my first reaction would be like, "What the fuck was that all about?" Okay, 
that's kind of you. Um, I would expect that you would just totally throw me to the ground and kick my ass, right? I mean, that, <laughs> that's that... not far behind. But I generally no, try right? to ask, "What the fuck?" First, <laughs> what the fuck? Now, had it well, been that's... a balled up fist to the face, then I might immediately start fucking swinging. If I was in well, a bad mood, I might immediately start swinging. Right. But I'd like to think right. that I'd be level headed. Even I'd like sure. to think I'd take it like Chris Rock. <laughs> Dude, so you know that's stimulus and response. So the shorter the um, the gap between whatever your stimulus is and whatever your response is, your ability to make the right decision diminishes greatly. And so we are emotional creatures. All of us are emotional creatures. And so you know, I hit you in the face. You're you're you had the right answer. Like what the fuck? I was gonna say there was a a murder hornet on your cheek, and I was just killing him, right? Yeah. By the way, <laughs> then it's like, oh, you, you did me a favor, and I just murder hornets, it. man. They got the short change. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what happened to what murder happened hornets? To murder hornets. It, it yeah, turned out to be like as big of a deal. Of, Thirty seconds of fame. So, you know, <laughs> if had you just kicked my ass without, you know, get, get, without that explanation, without that opportunity to detach, um, you would have made the wrong decision. But we, we do this all the time because we're emotional creatures, and we've been. You know, under this tyranny of uh, weaponized social media. Oh, and let's not lie. Yeah. Social media has been weaponized to make us all. Doesn't matter what side. No. Just, uh, it, it's all stimulus. Stimulus. Are you going to get pissed off? Are you going to get pissed off? So today I'm like, I let's say something happened at the end of the day and I'm just super busy. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't have enough bandwidth for all the work you're giving me. So what the hell? And I even wanted to text someone who had given me more work, right? And I'm like, what What do you want me to focus on? What are the three things you want me to focus on? Because I can't do eight, right? Um, and I realized that I was super tired and I was super emotional and that had I, do, had I done that, um, I wouldn't have given the opportunity or the problem the time that it needs for me to kind of really assess it and have a conversation that would be valuable. Because in that moment, it would have been like, just like you, what the, what the fuck, dude? What, what is this about? Mm -hmm. So that's where accountability partnerships come in. So I detached and immediately I, um, have we talked about accountability partners before? Uh, no, but I think I'm familiar with what it is. I, I kind of know where you're going with the thrust of this too. Um, I learned a long time ago not to make decisions when you're in a highly emotional state. And and that's what this detachment is, right? Is to stop right. yourself from doing a knee jerk reaction when you're in an emotional state, because then you're gonna have an emotional reaction that later, when you have a level head and you look back on it, you're probably gonna be shaking that level head, saying, "What the hell was I thinking, saying right. that or writing that or why did I click send when I was in an emotional state?" <laughs> that, Ooh, right, boy. I totally get that, and it doesn't even have to be an emotional state. Sometimes, well. It, the the poop could just be hitting so hard that you don't know what to do about it, right? So I, I mean, this is you know, so detach. You step back. You see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Accountability. Account. So there are mentors. I I mentor people. Those are we have relationships that are intended for us to grow and get better from. And then I have accountability partnerships, which are usually people within my peer group that aren't necessarily in my team or whatever, but they're they're people that I trust. That hey, I need to talk to you. Um, because I'm really upset about something and I need to get it off my chest and I really want to make the right decision and this will help. So, it, and that goes both ways, right? So, oh, stimulus, who, who do I talk to that 
I don't report to about this. Oh, I've got this person. So that's what I did. I just said, hey. Um, and he had some stuff going on, too. So it turned out to be a very mutual. Um, and by the way, the, the general rule is unless I'm going to do something really stupid or hurt myself or somebody else, like this is a safe space. Like we can say whatever. All right. And, and that if that rule is not there, then you don't have a good accountability partner. And if they break that rule and go to somebody and said, well, Joe said this. And it's not anything that would have been life threatening to you or, you know, detrimental to the business or whatever. They, yeah, that's somebody you should like cut out of your life immediately. Yeah, no right? kidding. But anyway, you, accountability partnerships are great because you could just that's what I did. Like, I got to dump my bucket. Go for it. Right. And then he had to dump his bucket, too. He's going through some stuff. And actually, that's where we started. How are you doing? What's going on? I dump my bucket and I feel I felt so much better. Like, I know that. Oh, listen, it doesn't make the problem go away. Like I, you still have to deal with the problem. And here's the thing. Um, the longer you let a problem go, the, the harder it is to deal with. <laughs> so like tomorrow I'll have that conversation, but I didn't need to have that conversation today. And accountability partnerships are really great. So if, if again, Joe, Joe, if you don't have one, go ask for one. Oh yeah. That well, and to go back to what you said about ignoring a problem makes it worse. I read this really great thread. I think it was on Twitter. And the guy made an analogy of a broken basement window that he had in his house that he kept putting off fixing. And every time he would look at it, he'd be outside doing something different. He'd look at that broken board, uh, broken window that was all boarded up. And he'd think, oh, shit, I need to get that done. Oh, that's going to be a lot of work. Oh, I feel guilty that I haven't done this. And so for the better part of like a year, 18 months or something like that, he did this self-flagellation every time he looked at this broken window. And eventually he did it. And it, you know, took him like 45 minutes out of his day, cost him like 30 bucks, and then it was done. And then he was reflecting on it afterwards, and he was like, oh my God, if I had just done this right when it broke, I wouldn't have went through 18 months of self-flagellation and beaten myself up over it. And so he's like, folks, whatever your broken window is, don't put it off, fix it. And I was like, fuck, that is really heavy. It is heavy. But it's true. Like, I hate doing expense reports. I hate them. But every time I get one done, I feel great. And I was like, that wasn't that bad. But then the next time I got to do it, I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to do it. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. But I, I will say, you know, you know, from a people perspective, especially hard conversations with people, you, you got to have them, but you got to have space. Like, my general rule is 24 hours. Like, I need 24 hours to think about it. Um and then have that conversation, have that hard conversation, just to make sure that I'm I'm in the right spot. And sometimes, you know, connecting with accountability partners and like, here's kind of something I got to think about. You just make better decisions. Like I saw a T-shirt. There's a Vihala. What is it? The, the you know those military T-shirts that are out there. Like I like to buy them. They support our first responders, but they have great messages. And one of them was like, you don't have to go through life alone. Oh yeah. So many of us are like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do this. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing, dude? Like, you don't have to do this alone. (laughs) That I feel like that's a very like typical like men type thing. Also, the to to go out there and like, like, no, I'm gonna go it solo. I'm not gonna ask for help. I'm gonna, I'm gonna forge my way through this. And yeah, it's that's something that I've tried to teach myself for years is that dude it's okay to ask for help it's okay to to admit 
that, you know, no, I don't 100% got this. It would be great to, to have a hand, <laughs> you know, doing this thing. But it's funny. Uh, like, I see it in my dad all the time where it's like, he'll be like, oh, I went up to the cabin and put the dock in the water. And it's like, it's like, didn't you have to get back surgery years ago from doing that? It's like, you're fucking way older now. I don't live that far away. Just schedule it with me. I will come help you push that big, heavy thing on barrels, you know, down the riverbank and into the water. Every year he does it himself. Wow. (laughs) And sometimes he'll call to, like, schedule for me to, like, come help him pull it out. And half the time I'll get there and he's already got it out of the water. And I'm like, what is this? And it's like, yeah, he's just, you know, he's going to, he's going to do it. (laughs) It's like, so I always trace it back to, it makes me think of my dad. Wow, it's, it's weird. Behavior, I never dude. put. I put docs in when I was a. I, I, I was an aquatic director at a Boy Scout camp. I don't know if you ever talked about that. I think you um, might have told me. Maybe on like oh, one of our first episodes, I think we might have maybe. talked about scouts. We would have to put the dock in in the first part of June. And now things are different. That was like thirty years ago, right? Maybe more than that. And. um and it was freezing cold. We had to put these stanchions in and then we'd have to put the, so you'd be in the water all day. And that water was like 60 degrees, maybe. Right. And, um, so we, yeah, we didn't have the luxury of the, of the tires. I would have killed for tires to wheel that thing in. That would have been great, but nope, nope. <laughs> we go in there and put this dock in, um, those were some good times. That was great. Now, of course, you know, water is a little warmer at that time of year. But back then, we had guys that would bring wetsuits. Um, and wetsuits are amazing. Oh, my God. Like, if you're going to be in the water all day, that, that it, it really makes a huge difference. But, oh. Nice. Yeah, dad, yeah. Dad's dock is, I think it's like maybe eight foot by eight foot or nine foot by nine foot. And it's got a 55-gallon drum at each corner. And then it's got a long gangplank. That then goes back and has like a, a bolt sticking off the end of it that'll hook into holes that are in a wooden set of steps that are going down the bank. And then the bank's kind of oh. str- uh, got like broken bits of concrete and stuff like that rock all over it to help prevent erosion. And yeah. so, yeah. And so it's like if the river's really low, you know, he's got a. I mean, shit, it's been so long since I've been there when he's pulled the dock out. I assume he just hooks his truck up to it and pulls it out and doesn't have any issues. But then pushing the thing in, he's like, we got the like these big, like aluminum. I, I'm pretty sure they're like actual like commercial window frame material. You know, like that that steel material that like window frames are made out of. Yep. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, and we kind of use those as as like poles to kind of or like big levers to kind of push the thing into the river. And then it's got oh, like cool. a, a chain that goes off either back corner of it, and the upriver chain hooks to like a winch. So you can kind of control, you know, like you pull more chain in and it'll pull the the dock kind of closer to the shore. And as the river goes up and down, you just got to move the gangplank up the steps and either let chain out or pull chain in. It's a pretty cool system he's come up with over the years. Very, very cool. But yeah, Yeah. it's like depending on what the river does, he's always fucking around, (laughs) pulling stuff in and out of there and stuff. And so I think he just gets in a hurry and he he doesn't want to have to depend on someone else. And so he just does it. And it's like, dude, don't hurt yourself. You're retired now. Enjoy retirement without not being <laughs> well, injured. Injuring yourself becomes really easy when you get old. It sure does. Like, he stays really I, active, though. So, You know what I did? Hmm. So I, I, I was walking down the sidewalk on a beautiful, bright, sunny day. 
And I just stepped wrong and rolled my ankle and almost broke it. <laughs> I do that shit all the time. It sucks. Oh, it's my like, God. On flat I, ground, I, you roll I'm, your ankle. It's like, how did this yeah, happen? On a, on a, how did it happen? And I got to come up with a great story. How did it happen? Well, I was walking down the sidewalk <laughs> on a bright, sunny day without a cloud in the sky. Now, I will admit I was looking at my phone. Phones are evil and dangerous in that way. My wife's like, oh, you shouldn't have been looking at the phone. I thought for sure I broke it. And then they said, you sprained it, which is fine. But, oh, my God, it still hurts. That was like three weeks ago, Joe. So, I mean, I'm still teaching. Oh, actually, I got back. I took two weeks off, and I, I taught. I teach Zumba, so I taught Zumba um, last Saturday, Ooh. and I told I got out of class with nothing but old ladies in it, so that was great. Like, okay, we're not going to jump this class, and they're like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> and we're not going to do this this class, hooray! But I still want to get it fixed, but I'm not 27. Remember when you sprained your ankle when you were in elementary school? You sprained your ankle, and two days later, you were fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like Wolverine healing powers. Now it's like <laughs> a year later, you might be okay. I'm like, oh, my gosh. God, I, I remember I was playing a tennis match against Lindsay one time years ago, and it was just – I was she had me running just back and forth. And on one of those going back and forths, like I rolled my right ankle, and I was wearing like you know a little like ankle – like socks so like you know uh-huh. like my, my ankles were kind of like exposed and i rolled it so hard that i had road rash like on my ankle oh wow that's pretty good it was fucking gross dude it i was... think i oh, that's <sighs> really bad my 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 foot was black and blue and my boss over at the gym was like the the following week how's your ankle and I, I took a picture and i sent it to her <laughs> what do you think yeah you're not teaching saturday it was oh my god like a pumpkin um, I saw some of okay. the pictures you put online. It was pretty gnarly. Oh, those those weren't even the worst ones. Those are <laughs> those were pretty tame. Um, but I'm back at it, and I feel okay. Um, you know what? Like we're both in that private victories group, and 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 that's cool, and I like that. But I'm yeah, I love it. And Brian every day is posting stuff, and I'm like, Brian, <clears throat> show me a video of what the hell you're doing, because I have no idea what you're doing. Like Brian and I went and worked out. When he came up here for down here for Halloween Horror Nights, right? And we went and worked out. I learned so much from him in like a 45 minute workout. But I, I know it's just like the scratch of the surface, right? So I still do workouts like, um, you know what a 21 is? No, what's a 21? A 21 is a curling rep exercise you showed me. You take a, um, uh, like a, like a curling bar and I've got like 50 pound, you know, the 50 pound weights usually what I use. Mm-hmm. And you start off and you do seven from your waist to your chest, right? Down up seven. Then you go seven from your knees to your waist. And then you do seven curls full, you know, from the knees all the way to the top. So full curl. And so it's 21. And if you're, if you're a badass, you do, you know, you do 24, you add, you do eights, right? Uh, and that's great, and I do that all the time. But your body eventually gets used to that, so you know it's always about how do we, how do we tear and destroy our muscles in new ways so that they'll grow and then help, you know burn more fat. So you know I, I'd I'd love for it, and then I think uh, Chris Hudat Edwards he's big into what he's doing. Like share some of that because I I'll I'll try it. I mean I may hurt myself again, which is fine. But it certainly beats like the guy at the gym today, some guy at the gym. So, you know, it's seven o'clock. I'm late for the gym. I'm half asleep. Hey, man, I see that you haven't signed up for our free one hour training expo. Uh, 
damn it, I don't want to talk to you. I just want to work out. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but what's your goals? And he wouldn't shut up until I said yes, because it was free. But I know at the end of the day, after that training thing where he's going to show me some stuff, and he's just going to show me the basics, right? Can you squat? Yeah, I can squat. How's this? Oh, you're not squatting right. Do this. Okay, great. So when it's done, it's going to be, well, what'd you think of that? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. All right. You know, I'm only $150 an hour and we could do this like once a, you know, cause that's where they really make their money. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to, it would be really good for me to get a trainer. Trainers are great, but they're so expensive, Joe. Oh, ridiculously expensive. Yeah. I mean, not I can see how there would be it, great. But... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see. I could see how there'd be great value in it, you know, from the motivational side, from the expertise side, just to have somebody there you know, spot checking your form and, and correcting it on the go. Like I know. had some random dude that I didn't pay a penny for walked up to me and was like, you're going too fast. Slow it down. You'll get better results if you slow it down both ways because yep. you're using get too much of your body. And I'm, uh-huh. and I'm like, thank you. What do I owe you for that? $150? What, what, <laughs> what do I owe you for that? And he's like, no, no, we're good. I'm like, okay, great. So there are good people at the gym that do that. But, you know, the other thing that I posted that I really want to talk about, um, I discovered via, again, Jocko. Did you go look up Andrew Huberman? Um, He's one of my new favorite people. I don't think I've looked him up. Oh, my gosh. So Andrew Huberman is a neuroscientist, and he's also just jacked. Right. So the guy, the guy's jacked and and he was in the Marines. And so he talked to Jocko and, you know. You know a podcast is good when I and it's three hours long and I've listened to it more than once because there are so many good things in there and he was just talking about neuroscience and how the mind works and how it how it affects he's you know he's talking about dopamine and how dopamine is the key to this and the key to that and um, I got hooked on like what did he say like in the morning Joe our goal in the morning is to heat up our metabolism and get our body heated up. That's the way he talked about it, right? And you do that with resistance. You do that by getting up and, and you know, going to work out. Um, you go and you take cold showers. Um, and I, I, I know everybody's cringing like, no way. Don't but Joe, <laughs> I'm telling you right now. You jump into a, a shower that's cold, like the first 15 seconds suck, uh, but then it feels really good. And what that does is it, your body will react in a way that it, it, it'll rev you up, right? Um, just oh, like at I'd, night. Dude, I had to take cold showers for a week straight after that bad windstorm in August of uh, 2020. We didn't have power for a week. Oh, wow. And it was, you know, hot, sweaty work all day cleaning up from that bad windstorm. And so by the end of the day, it was like, yeah, you needed a fucking shower. And right. It was cold or no shower. <laughs> Yeah, they're the invigorating. Are good for you. They're great. But here in Florida, cold showers are a relative because even cold water is lukewarm. You know what I'm <laughs> oh, yeah, saying? No, like this cold was water is cold. not cold. <laughs> Dude, my cold water is like bone chilling cold. Like, like you know, when I take a cold shower, I'm in there. It sounds like my bathroom's haunted. Because I'm just like, ooh, ooh. Well, right? <laughs> well, that's good for you. Saunas are good in the morning. Get that, get that, you know. Uh, oh, I'd love to have up. a sauna. That'd be great. Oh, we got a sauna at the gym. Oh, my, I got my a gym garden shed a... that gets like 120 degrees in the afternoon. That'll so work. I suppose I That'll could work. use that. Yeah. You ever do the sauna and get really hot and then run into the lake? Oh, I'd do that. Like, if, uh, I remember being a kid and staying. I don't remember what trip it was at this point, but we stayed somewhere 
where they had a sauna, a hot tub, and the the hotel pool. And the pool was like really cold. And so you'd stay right. in the sauna until you were super cold, then go in, or super hot, and then jump into the really cold pool. It was awesome. It was great, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, awesome. it was. So I mean, Huberman's great. You should totally find him on um, on YouTube. That that episode uh, on Jocker was fan- He's just fantastic. Now he he talked about, and this caught my ear, but I didn't have time to write it down. So I went and I looked it up. Like he he was on Rogan. The guy's just amazing talking about how the mind works and how it affects your body. It's great. He, and one of the things that I suffer from, I don't get enough sleep. Um partially because I got a lot going on, but the other part, you know, I've got seven dogs in the bed. So that uh, quality sleep, Dude, not seven great. is a wild amount of dogs. Objectively, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Seven is a wild amount of dogs. I offered eight. Cause now I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Do you want another one? And she's like, no, are you sure? <laughs> no, seven is good. Seven is, is good. Okay. Are they all shih tzus? All shih tzus. Oh, and now the latest one, Boomer, the puppy, um, he's gotten to the age where he discovered his balls, and now he wants to hump everything. Oh, no. So <laughs> Lynn's like, I can't afford to get him fixed. Uh, well, who said you had to do it? I'll, let's go fix this. Unless, do you want to stud him out? Because he's really <laughs> cute. We could stud him out and make some money. Um, at any rate, we, they're cute. I love uh, – I. at any rate. <laughs> he's got a sleep cocktail, Joe. Do you ever have problems going to sleep or you go to sleep real quick? I go to sleep real quick. See, I was taking melatonin, like 10 milligrams of melatonin. Uh, I know a lot of people take melatonin and that's fine. But he talked about a natural sleep cocktail. And I want to, do you mind if I share this? Because it's amazing. It's amazing. So um, the key ingredient is magnesium threonate. T H E no T H R E O N A T E. You want to get like um, about three to four hundred milligrams of this, and what it does is it calms your frontal lobe, so you stop thinking. I mean, you still think, but you know, you know how it is. A lot of times, you got something going on, and you get the stinking thinking going on, and you think all night long, and then yeah, you know, you're ruminating on something. I've gotten very good at disconnecting from ruminating thoughts. Right, I I can I start. Oh yeah, so anyway, I immediately recognize it and I let it go, like Elsa. Wow, it's fucking wow. I can't do that. (laughs) I'll be thinking about the fact that I need to let it go, Joe. I gotta let this go. So I've got that, and then um. L-theanine, L-T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E, 200 milligrams of that. And then this is, um, uh, they're all natural. Uh, at least 50 milligrams of, of, a, of a herb called apigen, apigenin, A-P-I-G-E-N-I-N. All you really need to do, Joe, is look up magnesium threonate, and um, you'll find the other two because people are buying this stuff like it's, crazy like they'll you know you know how amazon said frequently bought together they'll mm-hmm. always put those three things together because it's Hoovermid's sleep cocktail <laughs> yeah <laughs> i swear to god it is the greatest thing ever i take two um uh, three and eights that gives me about 400 milligrams and the, you know the theanine and the apigen by the apigen will um help you get into the uh groovy dream state where you have the w- wild 
groovy dreams. I don't know if you're a fr- um, if you're a fan of that or not. Mm, not a fan. When but, I remember my dreams, I'm always like, "Fuck, I don't like my dreams." For the most part. Oh yeah, these are they're you so remember disturbing. the dreams and they're bit. Well, mine are never disturbing. Mine are always a lot of fun, um, and they usually don't involve seven dogs, which is the best, right? So, dude, I'm I'm yeah. constantly dreaming about this big house that has all yeah. these tunnels in in the basement, and the tunnels are like like kind of like yellowish, like almost like they're lit by like torchlight. And it's like low arches where you got to like crawl on your hands and knees to get through. Fucking weird shit. I've lost track of the amount of times I've dreamt about this house with these tunnels or just I'll have a dream that like I'm living in this house and then I open a door I've never opened or noticed before. And then it goes to this basement with all these tunnels. No idea what the fuck it means. But. I bet somebody out there knows what it means. Hey, folks, if you know what the hell is wrong with Joe and he's dreaming about. Let's psychoanalyze Stark's dreams. What, is, what, is, what, are, what are those tunnels? Are those various orifices, various orifices that you need to be exploring, Joe? Or the, you know, Well, here's, there's always a scary feeling to it. Like, I definitely don't want to go in the tunnels. Like, fuck no. that. <laughs> but I've never... I don't recall ever having a dream where anything ever really scary happened there, but there's a definite feeling of dread along with the tunnels. And that's what yeah. makes the, the dreams like fucking disturbing is because it, Pennywise, it's, it's like, I just finished tunnel. watching a horror movie and it's like, I don't like, I don't feel comfortable. Pennywise is in there. <laughs> Dude, It'll get you. I got introduced to Pennywise at way too young of an age because my mom was reading the book and this was right. before the miniseries ever came out. And so I remember her reading me portions of that book and it just scaring the ever living shit out of me. And then when the miniseries came out, of course I watched it like a moron. And yeah, I was terrified by that for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, get some of that. I am out within five minutes of taking it. That's awesome though. Yeah. Cause I know oh lots of God. people struggle with it and I think oh. there's far too many people who take Ambien and I really, the horror stories oh, I've I heard Ambien. about Ambien. Oh, I had like, a friend of mine who gave some Ambien too and he got up and made breakfast at 2am in the morning. I've heard lots of and weird it, stories like that. No recollection I, it, of doing it. No recollection that he was even doing it. That's some disturbing shit. It is. Yeah. It's like, um, well, David gave me a, a pot brownie. I did. I tell this story. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> gave me a pot brownie because I was having a hard time. He goes, just take a little bit. And I did. And I felt really good. And I don't I don't I don't do edibles at all. And maybe that'll change. But I'm, I'm like, oh, by the way, best night sleep ever when I had that pot brownie tell was out like that. That stuff was good. And um, I'm like, I'm just have a little bit more. And that was a mistake. And like, um. I remember distinctly remember going to the bathroom and time just kind of stopped. You know, I had no idea what happened. I was just standing there over the toilet bowl for about, I felt like at least a couple years, you know, just watching myself pee. And then I'm like, oh shit, I took too much of this. This is bad. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, the other drug, not, not good. Um, but the three nights, you should give it a shot. I mean, if folks, if you're having problems, go look it up. I I swear by it. I had it on the road. It was just so, and and you're just out, and and it's great. The other thing that's been putting me to sleep too. Um, do you watch TV before you go to bed, Joe? Uh, it kind of all depends. Recently, we've been on a kick of rewatching Stranger Things, so we've been oh. putting away about two episodes of that before bed every night. 
And this is the, See, the kids that's... have never watched it before, so this is the first time they're seeing it. Oh, uh, are you on season four? Uh, we just finished season two last night. Oh, okay. All right. Did you finish season four? No. Uh, uh, Lindsay wanted Ooh. to do a rewatch before we okay. started season right. four, and then we talked oh. the boys into joining us on the rewatch. Oh, oh man. I know. So I've heard good. so many good things about season so four. Good. I'm excited, oh, to, my God. excited to watch it. See, but that would keep me up because it's exciting. <laughs> and so what I've been doing for the, like the last few months is I, I go down the YouTube rabbit hole. So we'll put YouTube on the TV and they have, so my wife's a reseller and on a whim, I started watching there are people that put the GoPro cameras on and they go out to yard sales and garage sales and film themselves buying really interesting things and then reselling them and get, you know, and, and making huge profits, right? Like, uh, here's an unopened copy of, um, Mario brothers three that I got for a dollar and it's still in the shrink wrap and I'm going to sell it for comps or $250 or whatever. And, and usually those videos, Joe, they're like 20 minutes long and I'm just kind of voyeuristically watching somebody find treasure of which I would love to do because I think, you know, fun, one of the fun things about collecting, you know, this is it's a treasure hunt. Like I get to get on, I get to go on a treasure hunt everywhere I go. I wonder if this place has what I'm looking for. I wonder if that place has what I'm looking for. And then you find a great deal and your life is great. So I'm vicariously living through these people. And then I, it, and I fall asleep. It's really awesome. And, and you know, the funny thing is a lot of these guys and gals that are out there doing it, do you know how many hits these videos are getting on average? Huh? If you're good. No clue. 150,000 hits oh wow <laughs> well they don't need to sell anything at that point in time they're making bank from youtube right i would do that every day and i would be the most entertaining guy going out and buying junk every day if, if people were to subscribe to my youtube channel i get two hundred thousand hits of me buying uh teenage mutant ninja turtle comic books that's what you should do, Joe. You should that that's your new profession. You should go to comic book stores and video and you gotta get permission to do this. Like, is it okay if I videotape your store? And then see how many hits you get. Yeah, see that's but, like I hate being on video. But so that's just, what always stops. It's not me your from... face, Joe. It's like it's your body. It's a body cam, right? Oh, see, that could almost work. But I guess the thing is at the end they do the comps, right? So hey, let me show you what I got. And then they go back through all the really cool stuff and you see how much it was. And you're like, wow, even Lynn's like, this is cool. I would get that. That's a cool thing. Yeah. That's Bill. That guy got really lucky or that's not that worth that much. And, but YouTube's been putting me to sleep, which is great. <laughs> so I like that. But it, I, sometimes it'll keep me up though too. You ever go down the YouTube rabbit hole and then you're like, I'm just going to watch one more video and then I'm going to go to bed. And then three hours later, that's how I am with scrolling through Reddit and like reading different articles and stuff. Oh, I could totally get see that. Reddit is great when I have a problem. Reddit <laughs> is fantastic because I can get the answers to my problem. Yeah. Right. But that can also be scary because you're right. I can go through like pages and pages of everybody got a different solution to my problem. And it'll either make me feel better about my problem or worse about my problem. And if it makes me feel worse about the problem, then um, I got to go find another Reddit thread about the same problem and see what they have to say. It's kind of like WebMD Reddit. Oh, yeah. You know? WebMD is wild. 
Unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So how's your um how's your journey going? I know that you're you're getting are you getting back into it and you've been biking and stuff like what if you wouldn't mind sharing? Oh yeah, no problem, dude. Yeah, I've been riding my bike a lot uh recently. Um just mostly like around town and stuff, but I've been keeping it in like the the most difficult gear and just kind of pushing through it so that it's, you know, to get the most amount of resistance out of it, the most amount of pump um, into my legs and oh boy, are they ever getting pumped out, but uh, noticing definite gains in it. Um, when I'm looking at my results, um, like the, the bike ride I did after work today was faster than the one yesterday. Oh, good. Did you ever thought about getting the Peloton? Uh, I mean, yeah, but it's like, it comes down to like, I don't have a huge house and like, I don't Uh really have a lot of place to store something like that. Nor if it's like, if I had enough money to spend on what a Peloton is that that could think of other things that would probably be more important for me to spend that money on. But I do enjoy riding my bike. Okay. Um, uh, They've come down a lot. So I think um, when they first came out, like $2,500, $3,000 on a Peloton, right? Mm-hmm. You can get a brand new one, brand new one, Joe, for fourteen, delivered to your house. I know it's still a lot of money. To me, I'm like, ooh. But then if you go to Facebook Marketplace, you can get them for like five to $800, depending upon you know, that person that bought it during the pandemic and thought they would use it forever and then never did <laughs> and, and there it is and they got to get rid of it hanger. right yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm i may go get i mean i want to double down on because ever since i rolled my ankle i can't I, I can't run i mean i can walk but I, I shouldn't run running would be bad i'll just roll it again right uh-huh. um but biking is great oh you get yeah range of motion without any impact on your knees. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been enjoying about it, is that it's, it's, it's low impact, but it's still a really good cardio workout for me. Uh, is pumped out as it makes my legs. I can tell that it's, it's doing a lot of benefits and building leg muscles back up. And then I'm also, uh, climbing on my bouldering wall in my garage. Oh, good. And also doing free weights. And so Ooh. I'm hoping that this go round, cause like when you climb, you're really working your pulling muscles a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the thought of this go round of it is that I'm going to weight train at the same time, not with heavy weights, but just with lot weight, uh, light weights, lots of repetition, uh, focus on good form. So I don't injure muscles and hopefully I'm going to come away with a more balanced body since I'm training my pushing and pulling muscles at the same time. There you go. Yeah. And then also cardio with the bike. And then I go on bikes, uh, walks with my wife. And, um, it's funny cause when we walk, like we'll both be going, I'll like be noticing that like I'm pushing really hard to keep up with her. And so I'll be like, like, do you feel like you're pushing? Are you pushing to keep up with me or am I pushing to keep up with you? And this is just a, a self-sustaining loop where we're just going to each keep walking faster. <laughs> uh, that is so, awesome. So yeah, our walks always turn into speed walks. Um, I miss going out. And, and, you know, all the places I used to go rock climbing outdoors, those were the best places to hike just because they got such big sustained hills. But it's like, I really don't have too many sustained hills that are close by that are, are really that hikeable right now. It's like, I'd have to drive an hour or something like that to, right. to get to the hills or 
that I want to do. And then when I figure that in, and also gas prices right now, it's like, eh, fuck it. I'll get my cardio from riding my bike for free around town. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I'm trying to be more mindful of what I eat, too, and not, you know, like eating ice cream before bed. I'll cut all that sort of shit out. <sighs> that's really smart. <laughs> yeah. That's really smart. Um, yeah, I was doing really, really well. And then I, uh, this, this is the first year that all sorts of health problems hit me at once. And I know I threw that up there, but I mean, I, I developed, um, okay, so I'm on a program called Calibrate. And so I got biweekly coaching, um, you know, food journaling. I, they, I weigh myself. Every, I'm supposed to weigh myself every day, but that, that doesn't have been the greatest thing. But, you know, you're doing all that. And they gave me um, uh, GLP-1s. And GLP-1s, they just help you maintain your insulin level at a, at a regular level so you don't get the spikes, right? So diabetics take that all the time. But if a regular person takes it, you can take it as perfectly safe. Um, you'll lose weight because you lose your craving for sugar. That's part of the deal. So that, that's been really good, but I developed, um, GERD. You know what GERD is? I know I've heard it before. It, it certainly doesn't sound good. Did no, you develop not. this as a result of taking that, I, that diabetic well, they medicine? Switched me to, they switched me to Wagovi and, I, I immediately, well, a bunch of things happened all at the same time. It's, it's a, a gastrophalagial reflux disease or GERD. Okay. Um, a lot of things happened at the same. So I, I got GERD and I got parosmia. Have you heard of parosmia? No. Oh, okay. Did you get COVID, sir? Nope. All right. To the best of my knowledge, I didn't get COVID. But I'm pretty sure I did get COVID and didn't know it because I got one of the long syndromes of symptoms of COVID, which is parosmia. Parosmia is this wonderful condition, Joe, where um, and so because the virus attacks your upper respiratory system, it can knock things out of whack. Like so your sinuses, like behind your sinuses, that's where like every sense of smell that you have. Joe is um, connected to neurons in, in the brain. And then when that gets out of whack, you you can develop a neurological condition called either parosmia or, or aosmia, I believe it's called. Where you, That's where you don't smell at all. So I didn't have that where I didn't smell at all. But what's been happening to people when they recover from COVID? So I figured I probably had asymptomatic COVID, but then had this thing that happened. That's what we're trying to figure out because I've been paying a lot of people a lot of money. Every okay, and I my heart goes out to anybody that has this. This really sucked, but every smell that I've got has a corresponding putrid smell with it. Oh no! And that's my, oh yeah. Everything smells like the inside of a porta potty, and it's better now. Or I've learned either learned to live with it or whatever. But it's gotten better. But initially, it was like you know when you go to the movie theater, Joe. And they pump in the popcorn smell all through the the movie theater, so it smells like um, you want to have popcorn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not what I smelled. Oh no, no, I smelled. <laughs> I'm sitting there watching a movie, and I thought I was gonna vomit the entire time because it, it just smelled like I was in the, the inside of a of a of a, 
of a porta potty. And there's millions of people that are, well, I shouldn't say millions. There's a lot, thousands of people that are going through this and no one's talking about it. Well, with a lot of people, they actually, um, it affects their taste. My taste, not so much. So it's either COVID or it's part of GERD can actually affect or uh, acid reflux. If you have that disease where you're having a lot of it, it can actually affect your ability to smell and taste and all sorts of fun stuff. So, I mean, holy crap, like uh, every morning um, I just lost my appetite and I, I everything was just really bad. I went to see a GI person. I did an endoscopy where they stick the camera down your throat. He <laughs> came back. You have... An inflamed stomach, you got GERD. So some of the things that I and it's gotten better. Oh, and I I couldn't smoke cigars for months either. Oh no, because <laughs> it smelled like a turd. Well, and and that you know what I'm saying. So Ugh. who wants to smoke? I didn't smoke a turd. So, um, <laughs> I, but it's gotten good enough where I can and I can enjoy it again. And I'm so happy. Like the first day I did, I was so happy. So uh, yeah, you've got an inflamed stomach. So he gave me some stuff for that, and he said, don't eat after seven o'clock. Because then when you lay down while you're digesting, all that stuff can seep into, you know, your esophagus and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Not good, right? So um, not eating after seven has been really good. You end up losing a little little bit of weight. And But he also gave me this list of foods that I'm supposed to eat to help calm my stomach. And on that list <clears throat> was um, gluten-free waffles, huh. which I ate, like, truckloads of because they're delicious. <laughs> And I gained a bunch of weight back. Like my, I, and I knew I felt better because I, I gained a, a bunch of weight back. Um, but I've gotten back on it, which is cool. Um, I had a run-in. They found a heart murmur, so I had a heart murmur for a bit. And and Lynn was like, oh, my God, you have a heart murmur. And I'm like, where did this come from? I'm in the gym all the time. And my doctor's like, well, don't go run a marathon. I said, why not? <laughs> I'm not winded or anything. You know, uh, I have no idea what's going on. So you, you do the echo not a not an EKG, but there's an echo ultrasound kind of thing. We found something abnormal in there. So I was kind of really freaking out. So I posted the group and they were like, you've got this, not a problem. I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. So I went to see my cardiologist and they do the EKG. Do you ever have an EKG, Joe? No. Okay. So, and I'm thinking in the back of my head and Lynn's like, it's because you smoke cigars. And I'm like, maybe, but they put all these things on your chest, right? These little electrodes, and then they kind of read your heart, and you get a readout, um, just like they did on uh, Emergency Fifty One. You remember that show? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, Station Fifty One, Station Fifty One. Um, they did an EKG on that show. It's an amazing show about a um, a fire engine station in uh, in the seventies. As a matter of fact, most fire trucks in Television shows are now 51 in honor of that show because it was just great. But it was really oh, about that's the paramedics. A cool fun fact. Oh, yeah, it's way fun. Like, it's re really fun. Engine 51. So um, they do an EKG. So I'm seeing this doctor and he walks in. I'm like, okay, all right. You're going to tell him, you know, what is it? And I'm, you know, am I going to need to get a stint, whatever? And he goes, well, you've got mild narrowing of your aorta. And so the aorta is the part of the heart that actually pushes blood to the rest of your body. And as you get older, and I am older, it can narrow. And they don't know why. It just happens. And my dad had heart disease, and so that might be part of it. Um, my dad had a quadruple bypass. That is, that's his own doing by just eating donuts all day, right? So that's not good. 
So he goes, let's just, you, you have mild narrowing, which is causing a, a heart murmur. It's very normal. I'm not going to give you any drugs. I'm going to see you in a year. Really? And I said, yeah, we're just going to watch it. And if it gets worse or you get symptoms, like you pass out for no reason whatsoever, then we'll, we'll, um, they can actually, um, they can actually put a, put a stint in there that'll, you know, expand and kind of fix that. And they don't even have to have, you can go into a cath lab and do it. They just put you under and they go right in through your, you know what, and they go up and then put it in that way. Which I thought was pretty cool. Well, that's pretty cool. And so do I have anything to worry about? And this was the best news I got all day. Like he's like, well, I looked at your EKG. I'm like, huh? Well, you have a heart of a 30 year old. <laughs> hey, that's good news. I know, right? I'm like, that's why I thought I'm in the gym every damn day. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, uh, I'm doing cardio like nobody's business until I fell for no reason on a bright sunny day with no clouds in the sky. And, um, and I asked him, I said, can I have a cigar every once in a while? He goes like, what, every day? I'm like, well, no, like maybe one a week or I mean, at the most, like a couple of months. He goes, oh yeah, you're fine. And I'm like, cool. I told my boss, like, when I got that news that day, she she knew I was going to go out. And uh, I got good news from the cardiologist. And, and I told her, and it was great. You could have fired me today, and it would I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> 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 but at any rate, yeah, so getting old kind of sucks. Then I had my colonoscopy this year. Oh, wow. I, I recently had my first doctor's visit where I got the, the finger check. That was, that was a Oh, blast. that's nothing. That is nothing. <laughs> So I mean, this is a PSA announcement. This is a public service announcement from the old man to the entire leftover army. Or whoever's listening to Joe Stark. There's this um, cola guard. If you are not at risk, do the cola guard. Cola guard is where you poop in a box. They send it away. It's 99% effective at finding what's going on. The drawback is you got to do it every five years. Do the cola guard if you can, because colonoscopy, the only good thing about the colonoscopy is they didn't have to pay a penny for it. It was free. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, people tell you that the prep for the colonoscopy is bad. And I'm telling you right now, Joe, that it, they are lying to you. It is far worse than you could ever imagine. <laughs> That's what I have. I've heard it described as the night of a thousand waterfalls. Oh, that's pretty good. That is, <laughs> I did not sleep all night. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, why? And first, they have you started like five o'clock. Why am I not doing this in the middle of the day? I would prefer to do this in the middle of the day and then not take any. Nope, nope. Got to do it 20, 12 hours before you go in. My, so my surgery or whatever they were going to do is at seven o'clock. Oh, by the way, he said it was the cleanest colon he's ever seen. Great. I'm good. So that's good news. <laughs> but holy crap. You know, and then you take some stuff and you sit there and he goes, is is it going to work? And then when it starts to work, Joe, it doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. I can't have any, I guess I got more in me. There's no way I could have, I I guess I got more in me. It was, it was absolute, Colaguard, go poop in the box, folks. Just go poop in the box. Don't, unless you like to not get any sleep, then that'd be fine. Oh, it's awful. No, it, it doesn't awful. sound fun. Oh, oh, you're good for 10 years. Oh, no, I'm good for, yeah, I'm good for 10 years, and I'm going to do the cold guard. 
and I'll be doing another five years from now. So, uh, well, hopefully you don't have to do any of that kind of stuff if you're older. Then you know, get ready for it. But so I, I have a I have a question for you, Joe. Shoot, thought about this last night. Are you enjoying the Renaissance, sir? Renaissance of what? <gasps> Joe, we are living in a Renaissance, sir. Did you not know this? <laughs> no, I did not. This is, you didn't know there, that we a, were living in a, a Renaissance? Rebirth. There's a rebirth going on right now? Yes. I'm going to tell you, um, I was at a learning convention a few weeks ago, and the keynote speaker was basically said that we're all living in a Renaissance, and it immediately re- resonated with me because she was right. We're living in a renaissance, Joe. We are. So think about this. Um, Your work environment, let's start there, okay? Is it any different than it was two years ago? Um, It's different than it was three years ago. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, I've worked fully remote now for over two years. Okay. Are you ever going to go back? Not if I no, no, because okay. they if actually they ask- they've actually closed the office that I used to work in, and they told all the other people that were still there, like you're going to have to work remote now. So, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Now, if you had gone to your boss three years ago and said, "Because this happened to me, right? I want to work from home for a week for whatever reason you would have." Now, I had a remote job. I had one for uh, a long time, so this is no big deal to me. But what would they have told you? Probably no. Like, I, no. I can think of, like, one other person in the in the company that I worked at that had, like, a full-time remote job. And it was, right. you know, people would be like, well, why does he get to do that? And I was like, well, he just got permission to. And it's like, oh, well, that's cool. Good for that's him. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was unheard of three years ago and now it's like oh yeah remote jobs are the thing like if i you know i'm still in i'll, I'll be honest i'm in the market i got to be in the market for better things right we'll make the best of what we got but always in the market for better things and i've had, I've had oh my gosh uh, you know we, we talked about being positive and life is always working for you because it is life is always working for you joe but i was like final candidate for like three really decent opportunities and I, they all fell through and we could talk more about that. But then I look back at why they fell through and I'm like, Oh, I'm glad I'm not working there. Right. So at any rate, all of them were remote opportunities. And if you go look at those places where you gotta be on site, I'm like, well, why, why there's a place up here in Tampa that's about two hours from me. And they had a, they had a director of learning and, op- and development. I applied for it. The, the recruiter called me and goes, you're really qualified. I want to talk to you, but this is an onsite job. I'm like, yeah, well, you would have to drive two hours every day to come up here to go to work. Don't you have an option where I could come up there like three days out of the week and stay in a hotel and work in the office? If it's that important for you, for me, for me to be in the office. Well, no, we don't have that option. Well, I guess you're going to lose me as a candidate then. I'm happy to do that. That makes sense to me. I'm, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to fly halfway across the country if I needed to and spend a couple of days in an office. That'd be good for me. Be good for my marriage, right? Because, you, you know, you're not always on top of each other. It's, it's good. I, I, travel has always been good for me and my marriage. I right? come home, everybody's happy to see each other until they're not like when you're going on the road again. 
right? So um, that's great. So that's changed. You hear what Elon Musk did, right? Oh, with the the Twitter stuff? Or, well, or Twitter what did stuff. he do now is, is the oh, better response to that. <laughs> okay, what, did, what did Elon Musk do now? Okay, I, I, I happen to like Elon Musk because he's a guy that, at least stands up for what he believes in. I don't necessarily always agree with everything that he has to say, but at least, at least he owns it. It's like the dude owns it, right? That's just my, I'm okay, cool. I respect you that you own it. He basically told his company, Tesla, if you want to work for me, you got to work in the office because it's not working for us. Oh, I did see that. He basically said that if you're going to be working from home, you have to put a minimum of 40 hours in at the office and not like mm-hmm. a satellite office. It needs to be a main branch. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. dude, you, you do not, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I was one of those rare people that when I started working remotely, my productivity went up because well, I wasn't being, dis- I wasn't being distracted by other people in the office, drawn into conversations, that sort of shit. I didn't have other people just walking into my office, interrupting me with unrelated shit. As able to just be here and focus on what I'm doing, you know, right? And, and it's it's beneficial for me. But I talk to other people who are like hardcore extroverts, and they're like, "I can't do this. I have to be around people. I can't do this." And it's like, well, "You do you, homie." <laughs> so, I found that to be true. Like, we built this brand new building right before um, the pandemic, and they opened it up. Oh no! And like, it's there's nobody in this building. Exactly. And it's gorgeous. I was just in there yesterday and I'm like, this building is gorgeous. It's got all the new tech. If I sit in the conference room, it immediately books that conference room. I'm like, it squats, right? It knows if I have my badge, it knows it's me, you know, it's just gorgeous and uh, it's downtown and I love it and it'll hold several thousand people and there's maybe a hundred people in the building. And so that's an opportunity until more people decide they want to come in. But you know what I did the very first half a day that I spent in that building? You know what I did? What's that? I talked to people I haven't seen in years. That's all we did. I didn't do any work, Joe. I was like, <laughs> this is a water oh my cooler God, kind of day. <laughs> it was. How you doing? We would just sit down. Oh, come see me and hugs and all sorts of good stuff. It was great. That was fantastic with no work done, got done. But back to Elon Musk, I mean, <laughs> right? Hey, I need you to be in the office because this is what I need to see from you folks. And people can say, well, that's shitty. And, okay, maybe it is. But they'll probably quit. And a lot of people quit. So a lot of people, F you, Elon, I quit. But I got to tell you, there are plenty of people, just like you mentioned, that want to be around people that want to work for this guy that are going to go ahead and do that. And that's the kind of people he wants on his team. So strategically, I thought it was, um, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's probably an asshole, but I got to respect him for, this is how I want to run my company. If you don't want to work this way, then you don't have to work here. And you know what today in today's, um, employee market, that's okay. Cause it's, I mean, despite the fact that I haven't landed the job that, it, that I, that I feel I'm, ready for doesn't mean that the market isn't full of opportunities i get a i get a call from recruiters almost every day right? oh nice hey well most of them are baloney calls like uh but it's still almost every day hey listen um i've got a i've got a contract job are you interested no <laughs> i got a full-time <laughs> job with benefits i don't want a six-month contract job 
Now, if I lose my job, I'm going to say yes to that. But they're just trying to fill in people. And then, so, and, and everything's changed. Like, it was really easy from a leadership perspective before the Renaissance, Joe, to say, well, this is all I have to do is deliver value to the shareholder. I can do that. And it really doesn't even matter how I do it. I'm just going to do it, right? Well, now we got to be taking care of our people because everybody kind of woke up and said, I don't want to work for assholes like Elon Musk. I want to, I want to work in an environment where people actually care about me. And so, um, you know, because of that, we, we have to equip our leaders to, you know, emotional intelligence is a huge deal. You know, being being resilient from a leadership perspective, if you're if you're not resilient or you're not flexible or adaptable, I mean, those are the three things that we're looking for in, in modern day leadership. Are you uh, resilient? Right. Are you adaptable? And do you have emotional intelligence? If you don't have those three things, you shouldn't be leading people. That's for sure. But there's still a <laughs> the emotional ton of... intelligence one is huge. I've worked for far oh, too huge. many bosses that are, you know, like rageaholics or, you know, just. I don't know, people you'd have to walk on eggshells around. Is that, that is the oh. worst sort of person to have in a, in a leadership position, you know? Well, I mean, the old school thought on that is that you know, we're going to go ahead and promote people who are really good at their job to lead people in the same job. But the, what they don't understand is that competency, right? Am I good at something? That competency in leadership is different than competency in doing a job. They're different skill sets. And they should hire people that are good at leading people um, that and you don't even have to be good at the job to lead people at what you're doing. You have to be a good people person. And I feel like in the Renaissance, Joe, we're figuring this shit out. Like this has got to be a big thing. Cause at some point in time when turnover is as high as I think it is in most organizations, they're going to realize they have an opportunity and they're going to need to do something about it. Do you know the hottest trend in, do you know what onboarding is? Uh, onboarding, isn't that, is that, are you talking about like it with a process of like bringing in new employees and showing them yes. the ropes and all that? Yes. Yes. Right. You know what the hottest new trend in employee onboarding is? What? Have a great first two days, Joe. Make sure those two first two days are great. You want to know why? Why is that? Because if I don't have a good first two days in today's market, I'm going to quit. That blows my mind, but it's true. That is a trend. So what's happening is people are getting job offers, multiple job offers, taking the one they feel good about, going to onboarding, and then going, oh, this company's got their head up their ass. They're calling company B. Does that offer still stand? And they're leaving. We had a guy, I, uh, my old boss and I were talking about this phenomenon, and he's like, yeah, no, it's true. I had a friend of mine that joined the company that I support. And he lasted a week. And he's like, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm going to go back to um, this other opportunity I had. Oh, my God. Well, that's great for employees like us because basically, you know, we've all been told this lie, Joe, that we should all work our asses off till we're like 65 and be miserable. And then when we barely have the capacity to enjoy what we're doing, <laughs> spend the next four or five, however long you end up living, having a good time. Which is bullshit. Like it's, you should be able to enjoy what you're doing now. Like, don't be like me and wait till you're 50 years old and go, "Oh shit, 
I believed the lie for so long because it's, it, Dude, it's, I, it's bullshit. I connected with that reality when I was still a teenager after I read uh, Walden Pond by Henry David Thoreau. Oh, there you go. And then it well, and then it got to the point where when then when I was in my twenties and I first and then you know that was my intro into the the workforce of learning to work 40 hours a week and you know, all the, the fun shit that goes along with that and various pitfalls and stuff. And I remember wanting to reread Walden and having to put it down. Cause I was like, now that I'm actually in this and I have no choice, I have to be in this. It was just fucking depressing to read. But I remember it being Wait. so inspiring when I was a teenager. <laughs> I was well, like, I want to go live on a pond. <laughs> I want to go well, just live in the woods and, and grow my own vegetables and, and just have musings about stuff. Well, you could do that today. Why not? Well, yeah, but I, I chose the, the regular path of I'm going to get married. I'm going to start a family. And so now I have these responsibilities and people that, you know, I, I have to, you know, support. I have to support a family. And so it's that for to me, the it's too risky to. You know, it's like I, I have a day job because I have to. <laughs> like I I, okay. I I enjoy what I do and I enjoy being good at what I do but it's like if I were suddenly independently wealthy like if we were to go buy a Powerball ticket and hit a jackpot I wouldn't be one of those schmucks that keeps working those people insult me it's like somebody oh, wins a jackpot tomorrow. and they're like well I'm, I'm gonna keep working because I just don't know what to do with my time like you're a boring motherfucker <laughs> like how I, dare I would, you I, I would quit the very next day but I would go and pursue those things that I want to do more of um, yeah, from an impact perspective that I don't have the resources right now to do. Like if I had my, if I had enough resources, I would take the people that are on my team, on my podcast, and we would build our own consulting group and we would network with the nearly thousands of people that we've got and we would use the resources to make the world a better place. 100%. Like a big chunk of what I would do would, would go into that. And I'm not saying that I can't do that today, but I've got a mortgage to pay and I've got all this other kind of stuff. And that's why I think like, I totally agree with you. Like we've got to be able to do what we need to do, put, you know, food on the table or as George W. Bush would say, food on my family. He said that. <laughs> of um, course he did. <laughs> he did, right? You got to put uh, food on your family. Great understanding of English comprehension. Oh my God! And he made it well, all the way up to the highest office. But you know, then you know, the next Republican that got in was even fucking dumber. So, <laughs> so well, anymore, yeah. it's like, yeah, there, is it a prestigious office? Really? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, seems to be a popularity not, contest. I don't want to test our friendship with who we got up there now, because <laughs> not very bright. In my humble uh, opinion, no, we're going to leave it at that. How about we stop letting the country be run by people that are like past retirement age? It's like, oh. is this oh. is this a, too controversial of an idea that 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 if a if a major corporation wouldn't be considering these people for their CEO position, then maybe we don't let them run the country and write all our laws and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we we don't need to talk about politics. We're no, we don't such need a good to talk. Cause I like you, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of. We don't need to talk about politics or religion. No, well, <laughs> we, we can stick to the well, old. We'll stick to the old rules. <laughs> well, we can do the old rule. I got a great insight on religion though, that I I want to share maybe, but it's not really about religion. But at any rate, oh please, um, back to back to uh, back to all this good stuff. Like you've you pour into your passions, Joe. No, that's actually what about? I would do. And then you well, show up at work. Like, 
I'm going to have a better day at work because I talked to you tonight. I know I will because this is stuff I love to do. So this is great. I even told my new employee that I get a new employee and she's a, a project. So, you know, I don't know what to do with this person. You have a the patience of a saint. Can can you fix it? I'm like, well, it's not going to happen overnight. Really? Yeah, it's going to take a while. So um, and that person's getting better. But I even told them, like, hey, listen, if you're not happy doing what you're doing, I get it. Like, like go pour into your passions. I don't know what the whatever the hell that is. And, and I'm not here to tell you what that is. But go go do that. So when you show up at work, you're better at what you do. Yeah. Whatever that is. I don't I don't give a shit what it is. Just go pour yourself into it so you have that outlet. And some of us get lucky enough where our avocation is our vocation and I'll, I'll, ultimately that's what I want for myself. But if until that time, you know, go do what you need to do and and whatnot. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, if I were suddenly to win the lottery or something like I would spend my it would be exciting to be able to just write and you know, do that for a living without the, the worry of the, the feast or famine of, oh, <laughs> of, sure. of the life of an artist, you know? So it'd be like, Ugh. cause you know, not, not every writer out there is a Stephen King or, you know, one of these ones that is able to make this big, huge lucrative career out of it, but I love doing it. It's, you know, it's so great, but. You know, and you and you're really good at it. And one of these days oh, well, you'll find you. a way to to do more of it, and that'll be that'll be awesome. You go on to Amazon and buy. Here's Joe's shameless plug for his books. This is where you would say get the, <laughs> get the books. Joe. Check out "I Become Death" by Jay Stark. I available be- on Amazon, Audible, iTunes. There you go. See, <laughs> that's awesome. But back to the whole Renaissance thing, right? Like everything's changing and how we have to we have to figure all this out. And we talked about um, emotional intelligence and a lot of people are still trying to figure that out. Uh, we interviewed this guy. I have to look up his name. I'm going to look up his name while I'm talking to you. And he was, we were talking all about emotional intelligence. And I could talk about that uh, for days because it's so important. And he said something profound. Let me quick find his name. Um, um Matthew Taylor is his name and he's got a book out. He was like, you know, the one thing that we've all shared in the last couple of years, Joe, hmm. you know what it is? Mm-mm. Trauma. Oh yeah. That's, that should have been obvious. Well, it, it is, but we don't think about it. Right. We've all experienced trauma. Some of us have experienced more trauma than everybody else, but and I think that all of us had some degree of trauma in our lives before all this happened. We never talked about it, never talked about emotional wellness, never, never ever talked about any of that kind of stuff. Now it's a big part of what we do, right? That's part of the Renaissance. Like, hey, go take care of yourself. Self-care is important. But we all experienced, we had a shared trauma. Oh my gosh, in so many ways, in so many different ways. And, and that's good and bad because... You know, it's like any, any change, change management. The hardest thing the, about change management is everybody's kind of at different places and everybody has to go through all of those cycles of change to get out on the other end. And uh, our job is to try to make that as quick as possible. But again, we live in a society where social media is weaponized and, and so I'm supposed to point at you and say, I hate you, right? Um, or do other things. But he, you know, we talked about that and he said, you know what, what we need to do and we need to do as leaders is recognize this and just really put a focus on healing. 
Because we all need healing, Joe. All of us. And he's right. Matthew Taylor is right. We all need healing right now. Really, really bad. So what can I do to be part of that? Well, recognize that the person next to me, recognize the guy on the other side of the mic, Joe Stark, whom I love very much, that Joe needs some healing right now. Right? So, and, and far too often I think it's, well, Joe, that's your opportunity. You go take care of that. No, no, no. What, what can I do to ensure that you get what you need? Right? Um, how many weeks of vacation do you get? Oh, what is it? I think I get like five weeks of PTO. Yeah. How much? How many weeks do you actually take? Five. Oh wow, you're good. So you're oh, good at that. Oh no, I earn those. I take those. I don't leave shit on the table. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Most people don't. You know that, right? Most people take two, no matter how many weeks they got, right? Yeah. No, I I value my time off, and I used to nickel and dime it. You know, I had a day here, a day there, and then I started being like, you know what? I need to take at least like three. I need to use at least three weeks of this as like week long chunks so I can have nine days off in a row, like really long enough to unplug and decompress. And really, I think it would be better to take two weeks. But then I think, oh, shit, if I can space out, you know, a few, you know, week long breaks versus only one two week break. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done a two week break since we got married. I am not traveling anywhere anytime soon because I've got seven dogs. That kind of the 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 anchor, the furry anchor on that. <laughs> I can only imagine what the boarding expense would be. <laughs> oh, oh, she won't board them. You know, if we got to get only someone she trusts that can watch those dogs. I I said Austin would do it. Austin would do it um, until he would get raged out and murder one. Maybe I don't <laughs> seven, know. We'll see. Seven right? Shih Tzus is so wild. Just wild, right? So, um, <laughs> does she groom talk about them that. herself? Yes. Okay, that's you're saving a ton because I couldn't believe how expensive that was when we just had the one Shih Tzu. It's fifty bucks a head. Yeah. Sometimes more. Yeah. So hey, get let's get another dog because I'm gonna save a ton of money in grooming. Go figure how that works. But my new deal is one week a quarter minimum. So if you think about it that way, that works. And so I'm on Q two. We're coming up at the end of quarter two for us, end of July, right? Yeah, see, December, November, October, uh, September, August, July. Oh, oh, yeah, no, end of June, end of quarter two. I, I, I'm behind. I got to get – I'm thinking about taking the 4th of July week off because no one's going to be working <laughs> anyway, so I might as well just do it. I took the Friday and, and Tuesday off around it so that I have a very long weekend. Right, that'll work, right? Um, and people will go, why would you do that? It's kind of like having a vacation. I'm like, well, when I get back, I'll have less work to do. Right, I'm gonna have less emails to do. But anyway, one week a quarter is a good thing to be doing, and so that's cool. And then, does your company do uh, hybrid events where they got people in one location and people that are remote? Uh, probably because we've got like branches all over the place. Yeah, like hybrid's a weird, tricky thing. Like we're gonna do this hybrid meeting. Like most of the people out of the Nashville area are going to be in that building. So a lot of the people on our team, there's going to be a hundred people on the pyramid. Right. And then they, we're, they're going to bring everybody in and then, Oh, that's too much money. So now we're not going to do it. So we're going to have a hybrid event. Well, the person that figures out how to do this the right way is going to make a gajillion dollars. Cause they'll tell you what, if you're in a room, right. And I'm 
meet with my peers and we're learning and we're talking, we're, we're doing all the things that you do in those kind of events. And you've been to those, right, Joe? Uh, I've been to one like on the computer side of it where it's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like watching like a town hall type presentation mm-hmm. where there's a whole bunch of people in the room and then, you know, other people all over the country are watching on a video feed. Yeah. Well, imagine, you know, a whole day of workshops where you're just, you're on the video feed, but you know, 80% of them are in a workshop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people that are on the video feed get shortchanged because that human interaction that makes that work is missing. And so we're trying to figure that out. I was telling my boss, I'm like, we have to be purposeful about this. We get, you know, at least 30% of the people that are going to be attending this from home. And if they're not, if there's no value there, then they're going to check out. And that's okay. I, actually, it's not okay. It's not okay at all. Right. So figuring that out, I will say that the answer I have, um, have you heard of the company Accenture? No. All right, I'm going way too deep. This is, I'm sorry. We'll we'll talk about Shih Tzu's and poop in a minute, but um, <laughs> I, I have friends of mine that run up run a similar podcast, and they they work for Accenture, and they're people that they do HR stuff for companies that don't want to pay for an HR team, right? Okay, because you know that's overhead and competencies that we may not have. So we'll get somebody that's really good at that. We'll pay them a little bit more money, but we won't have any of the you know the healthcare and all the other good stuff. So they're, they're fairly sizable company. They, they invested in uh, VR tech. Dude, that's what I was going to suggest was like a yes. metaverse type approach Yes, where even oh. the people that are there in person are all wearing VR sets so that everybody 100%. is face to face in a virtual environment. That's funny oh. that that's the, re- that's what they're actually going with. <laughs> I, I'm telling you right now, I was talking to some people, the higher ups in my organization. And I'm like, this is what we need to do. Because okay, um, oh man, I'm, I feel like I feel like you've got a really cool job, but I, I feel like a lot of the corporate headaches that guys like me have to go through is not something that that uh, you get the that you've experienced a lot of. Is that fair? Oh, I've purposely avoided that. Every time I've been offered like management positions and stuff like that, I always say, "No, thank you. I don't really have any interest in in being a manager. I want to be." I, I want to be good at what I do, be well regarded at it and be like a strong member of that team. And cause, but I don't know. I've also like, I feel like every job that I've done in this company, and I've done lots and lots of them within a short period of time. I've gotten very, very good at it. Sure. And, and so I, I feel like however big that curb is, you know, to get excellent at a lot of these things that I've done for this company, it's not a big enough curb to stop me from hopping right over it. Um, I'm still in the process of learning this new role that I'm in right now, but I like it a lot. It's, it's, it's really, really great. And no, I don't have to deal with too much of the corporate headache type stuff, which is fantastic. Do you know what a lunch and learn is? You ever heard of that? (laughs) Uh, I, I think, I think I can guess that's where it's like, uh, you're, you're eating, but it's also a meeting. Yeah. Well, basically, hey, everybody, to make you feel better about work, we're going to have a lunch and learn. You'll all get together in the cafeteria. You'll bring your lunch, right? Sometimes they'll provide lunch, which will encourage people to show up. And we'll have a guest speaker, and we're going to talk about, you know, pros I'd be the dick saying, so we get a real lunch break later where I don't have to be around everybody, right? Something like that. (laughs) Because otherwise, you're just tricking me into working through my lunch, and I don't appreciate that. (laughs) 
Well, no, you're not really working. You're supposed to learn. It's an opportunity to learn oh, and, and oh, network, yeah. right? It's a networking opportunity. No, it really is. And so <laughs> it is. Be, I'm purposely but, you know, being in a, a virtual environment. Okay, so <laughs> if I'm remote and you you put on you know, from noon to one, we're going to have um, Joe Stark come on in and talk about his new book, I Become Death, and we'll have a lunch and learn. If I'm remote and I got work to do, sorry, Joe. I don't care how good a speaker you are. I ain't showing up. Because I'm missing out on that human connection. I'm not going to be able yeah. to talk to the people next to me. Um, they've tried to go ahead and, you know, get DoorDash brought to your to your house, and then and then you can join, right? And I'll just get the DoorDash and then not join. They don't know, right? But <laughs> or or you join you it and you're me... not really present in the meeting at all. Right. You're actually answering emails and doing other shit, and it's just going to all like a podcast oh, in the background, right? But yeah. check this out. You give me a VR headset. And tell me that there's a lunch and learn. I'm in. Well, yeah. And now all of a sudden I'm there's an avatar of you in. there, so you have to be present. Do you know what the you know what the AI tech does with, in a virtual environment? Let's say we're having a virtual meeting and everybody shows up in the metaverse. And by the way, I can be anybody I want to when I show up. I could be Spider Man, right? If I want to, mm-hmm. I could do that, right? Oh, by the way. I don't know who my VP is when that person shows up unless they make themselves look like themselves. But a lot of times they just have fun too and they just show up. So you get these conversations with people that you would never organically have, right? All of a sudden I'm talking to the president of the company. I have no idea it's the president of the company until, oh, oh wow, right? Um, so that's kind of cool, kind of dangerous, but kind of cool too, right? So <laughs> The kind of dangerous part is true. Kind of dangerous, kind of cool. <laughs> All right, I'm giving a presentation in a virtual space in the metaverse. And, and oh, by the way, um, we there uh, studies tell have shown us that the uh, the experience you get in virtual has the exact same impact emotionally on a real life experience. They are identical to the brain. The emotional impact that you get in a virtual experience is identical to what you get in a real life experience. That's cool because I can create a lot of learning opportunities. So learning nerds like me get super excited about this shit. But here's the great thing. Joe, you're in my meeting. I'm having a training. We're all showing up virtually. We're going to go do some, you know, virtual stuff like, you know, um, Delta. One of the things they do uh, is they they do, you know, the outside the plane inspections. Which if you went on the tarmac and did would be very dangerous. Yeah, they do that in VR. It's awesome. Right. So at any rate. We're going to go do some of that, put out a fire, climb into the sewers, whatever it is. If you disengage from your active participation in that meeting, your avatar to me will drop its head and start doing what we call the sleepy time dance. It'll just kind of be bopping around. So not only do I see that you have disengaged from this conversation or from what's going on, because maybe you put your headset down to go to the bathroom or maybe you just shut your eyes because the the technology in there would can tell what you're looking at and what you're paying attention to. And I know immediately that you've disconnected. Just like you have right now, Joe. I can't. You haven't said anything in the last 30 seconds. No, I'm thinking about oh, it. Oh, it's like thinking the, about it. Okay. Like, the, the did software, you from my talk? No, yeah. the software that is like tracks eye movement and stuff yes. that freaks yes. me the fuck out. I don't like it. Oh, I, I, I don't like it. the thought of it. It freaks me out. Oh, it's amazing. I don't like a from computer a... being like, I know what you're looking at. Yes. <laughs> I yes. don't like that. Uh, fine. You don't have to like it. Uh, people in instructional design, we 
are hit, we are mesmerized by this because it will help us design better experiences. So if my goal is to have you look over here and pay attention to whatever is going on over here and you're not, what's over in that other area that's more important? And how do I eliminate that? Yeah. Well, from the altruistic, like educational point of view, it's awesome. From it's totally the, awesome. From the uh, like abusive uh, or, you know, from the potential for abuse size or side, it's it's terrifying. I, it's not as terrifying as Descript. Have you used Descript? What's that? Oh, Descript is awesome. Have you ever heard of uh, Otter? You've heard Otter AI. That is the, I type something out and somebody talks it out, right? That's Otter. They're, they kind of developed it. Descript does the same thing. And a lot of podcast people will do this. If they want to do transcriptions of podcasts, and I, have, I haven't used it for that yet. I should, because I really should transcribe what we do. A lot of people would prefer to read what I'm going to talk about, not listen to what I'm going to talk about. I know it blows your mind, right? But that's what they want to do. <laughs> Deep. You can train Descript today from an AI perspective to learn and recognize who you are, what you sound like, and what your words sound like. And what I can do, and I've done this on, a, on another podcast, is I can actually, after it's learned who I am and how I sound like, I could type out a paragraph and it'll sound pretty close to me. Not 100%, but pretty ding-dang close. Um, from an editing perspective, that's awesome. So I get a transcript of this podcast and you want to take out a word that I say, like Joe's a big motherfucker, right? So you can actually get that in the transcript and the word part of it, and you can cut that out. And then when you go to publish it, I would just say Joe's a big, or you could even change it. You know, Joe's a big lovable guy. And I would say <laughs> big lovable guy. Um, so yeah, that's creepy. That's yeah, and that's why a lot of organizations now are having ethics. Um, they're part of the C-suite now, chief ethics officer, because now uh, I, I'm. It's just like 1984. I can rewrite whatever has been said, and have it be published or said in a way that's like I didn't say that. This is what I said. Holy crap! Like that's here, and we can do it, and it's real, and it's scary as all get out. But it's not as, but it's also wicked fun. Like I could just go ahead and type out what I'm going to say, and then have a podcast, and no one would know. Oh, today you would know. It, it's not perfect, but it, um, yeah, that technology. You know, we're at that precipice within the Renaissance around our tech because it's going to make our lives better and easier. Think about the impact. You know, ROI, re return on impact when it comes. Excuse me, return on investment when it comes to learning in a VR space, like the comprehension rate is like 90%. That's amazing. So when I go through an experience or I learn in that environment, I, I remember 90% of that. That's awesome. Think about what we can do with our kids, right? This is great. And on the flip side of it there, we have to be very um, purposeful about what we do with that tech to make sure that it's right on the money. But I mean, again, from an altruistic perspective, like we all went through, um, Ah, George Floyd, right? So that was a big awakening for for me. You know, I think about David, David and Joe and those guys. They talked about it all the time. Like, well, this is what we went through. And what I learned is that I'll never really truly understand what it's like to be somebody else. And that was very humbling for me because I thought it was a nice guy. I thought I knew what these people went through, but I don't. I don't. But with technology, I can live that experience, Joe, as somebody else. 
and have a pretty good idea what that feels like. Right? Oh, Just dude, imagine that. That totally made me think of that that 90s movie, Strange Days. You remember that yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, where it's like people, I mean, that's like, it's pretty similar to a, to a VR type thing. I mean, they're recording actual experiences that you can go right. and, and relive. But, I mean, that's, fuck, dude. Is, is Are we almost on the path to that? We're already doing it. That's wild. So it's the great, it's the great empathy device. So like we talk about virtual reality or even like we call it 360 video where we create a video and, and then have a 360 camera produce it. You can create an experience and we can go through the experience and have the same, remember we talked about this, the same emotional impact that, um, that you would get going through that in real life. Oh, and, and there's we're using so many it. people out there that are absolute psychos that don't feel empathy unless it directly affects them. So this is a way that you could actually literally put them in those other people's shoes. 100%. So think about diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI. Like I've been pushing my DEI team like, you got to get on this. Like we need to do this now. Like imagine there are things that happen at work to people that they just don't get because they don't understand how that affects them at all. Or maybe there's, we just become so colorblind to it. We just don't see it. Imagine going through those experiences from the other side of the fence and people that I, I, I whom heretofore I would say, I, I don't know what it's like to be you to have that kind of experience and then translate that. My behavior changes immediately because I've had that experience. I don't know what it's like to get pulled over by the police and not feel safe. But I can in a virtual environment or in a 360 video environment, I can go through that. Yeah, that's and true. And I can have an immediate impact on, oh my God, wow, I need to be this or I need to be that. It's amazing. It's great. So like, again, I get excited about it because I feel all the good things that are going about it. Yeah, there's a lot of negative things that are going through it. But back to you know Matthew Taylor in his book, he's like, we all need healing. So this idea of psychological safety, creating safe environments where we can go ahead and have conversations. And, you know, part of that is this new idea of vulnerability. I, I tell you what, I went, um, I went about a year and a half with my new boss before having a vulnerability moment because I'm a big, I'm a big, big, and then she's not a bad person. She's just, and a lot of old school, you know, um, leadership is all about, well, Employees are on one side of the fence and I'm on the other side of the fence and that's how it goes. So I should never go on the other side. But I, I'm a firm believer in if I want somebody to feel safe about where they're at psychologically, like I need to be vulnerable too because I'm a human being and I make mistakes and making mistakes is okay because we have an opportunity to learn from them, right? Yep. And oh my God, it was Failure's one of the great greatest teacher. Oh, and you can create failure. Oh my God, you can create failure in a virtual environment and everybody could die, but nobody really dies. And it's great, right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. But we had a nice, we had a moment where um, I found that she was vulnerable with me and I was like, wow. Now I felt safe where I could be vulnerable. And we had a, like a great hour-long conversation of vulnerability and then maybe we were too vulnerable. But I tell you, my relationship with her is different today because of that. And I feel like, Hey, listen, you know, let, with the idea that we we're all human beings, we're all on this life journey together. We've all gone through a couple years of massive uncertainty and trauma, and we all just need to heal. And on the other side of that are great things, but we kind of have to, this is going to sound goofy, but we're kind of all kind of have to hold each other's hand and get through it. That's why I feel so terrible today. I truly believe that like, Man, the world just feels more messed up today than it ever has. 
And partially that's because, Joe, I really truly believe that we're all kind of at the beginning of this journey of holding each other's hands and getting through it. And a lot of people are resistant to this because within the Renaissance is a lot of change. And as creatures, I don't think that we like change. Some people say they do, but they're liars. They really don't. They really, they really, we, we like things to be the way they are, but we're going to have to get through this time because because the other end of it, the other side of where, where we're at, assuming that we all kind of hold hands and go through this together is, is a wonderful place. I, I truly believe that. Um, and if we can't do it, we're all in big trouble. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of resistance on both ends of the side right now. And we just need more people to stand up and say, I, I got you. You got me. Okay, great. Let's do this. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. God, it, and, and kind of going back to the empathy thing with VR, I think the people that would like need it the most would be the most resistant to it, to where it's like, could, you even, make it, could you even make it work on somebody like that? Like the sort um, of person that if you mention, if you try and explain white privilege to, like they immediately just shut down and get angry. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know how why to get through I, to those people. But you know what? Why would, again, the emotional impact on an experience is the same. I don't have to tell you what you're going to do. Hey, I need you to put these goggles on and um, we're going to go through this together. Okay. Okay. And then through the process of that experience, if you set it up right, um, there should be learnings from it. That's right. Maybe you have to structure have to go... it specifically for that personality type, right? Correct. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what I'm getting into, but the next thing you know, and you've seen it in sci-fi movies, you've seen this, right? Like, you know, Twilight Zone, um, you know, oh, this person, oh, you're hideous, you're hideous, and all the people, you've seen that, right? Where the woman's in the in the bandages. That's one of my favorite ones. I don't know if I've seen that one. She's wrapped up in um, bandages in a hospital. And you, you never see the faces of the doctors or the nurses. Um, but, oh, you've been in a terrible accident. But we did the best we can. And, you know, she's going, whatever. They take the bandages off her. And she's this beautiful starlet of a woman. And everybody around her are um, have, like, pig-like faces. And they're all grotesque. And when they take out the bandages, all the doctors go, oh, my God, it's worse than I thought. She's so hideous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they're actually all the ones that are all pig faced. <laughs> Correct. Well, I mean, that's all Eye of the Beholder, right? I think oh, that's yeah, yeah. the name of the episode, Eye of the Beholder, right? So oh, wherever our wherever our wherever our um our rep point of reference is is kind of where we're gonna come from. But I think you could do that. I, I know you could do it. I'm just super excited. You know, the the whole even... tricking people into being a better person type thing. Have you ever seen the movie The Game with Michael Douglas? Of course. We're like all over the we're all over the place with the 90s movie references today. I love it. That's all right. Dude, the, okay. I love the game. Classic movie of this guy who's an asshole and goes through this. I mean, it's not a virtual reality, but it, it is a, a clearly like a, a, a setup kind of long con type thing. But it, the whole purpose of it is to make him a better person. And right. oh, fucking brilliant movie. Yeah. Didn't work out so well now, did it? With what part? I thought the ending wasn't great. I thought he ended up hurting some people. You, you don't remember the full ending of it, then? Well, I, 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 I know he, I know he finds out that it was all a game, but didn't he end up hurting somebody in that process? Most of the time in those movies, that's what happens, right? Well, they they lead him to believe that. Yeah. Okay. So spoilers for a movie that's like over twenty years old now. 
At this I must point. have fallen asleep in the end of it. That's not uncommon. <laughs> yeah, they make him think that he's like killed his brother. Right. And, yeah, and so yeah. then he goes and like j- like jumps off the top of a building to commit suicide, but they even factored on that also and so there's like a big crash pad at the bottom. You know, they it was just a blood pack in his brother. He's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Now I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, it's fucking It's kind of like a great movie. Good psychological did you see that? thriller. Yeah, there's a thing on Netflix called Push. Have you seen that? No, I've not. Oh, you got to watch it. It's a it's a like um a behaviorist magician kind of guy sets up this whole deal where um, at the end um, certain things happen and um, you know, somebody ends up dying and they uh, in order to get out of it so that, you know, the people that he's supporting or whatever, or he, she or he are supporting, you have to end up pushing somebody off the roof of a building Holy shit. And there's all these things this person does to set you up so that you're ready to do it. And um, a lot of people don't. But a lot of people did. They, you know, they ended up pushing somebody off the building so they wouldn't get in trouble and go to jail and all this other kind of stuff. <laughs> and then to be like, okay, there's actually been cameras on you this whole time. This yes, was all yeah, the set cameras up. on you the whole time. That person's and the, fine. And the guy's... The guy, yeah, and the, and the person's like got a rope on him and stuff. You can't see him or whatever. They, they end up pushing him over the building. He falls over the building, but doesn't fall over the building. And then they're like, "Yeah, you were on candid camera this whole time, and check this out." And yeah, but in their mind, they just legit murdered somebody. Yeah, dude, that's fucked that's, up. <laughs> it is. That's fucked up because it's like but everything that's like, in that scenario was like we know that you know push comes to shove, you would murder somebody else to protect yourself or a loved one. <laughs> Dude, but, the, the the implications for that are fucked up, though. Don't you think you'd lose sleep if you were the person who pushed somebody? Maybe. But what a great <laughs> learning experience, right? So we're talking about the safe learning experience. I got some work to do. Because it all goes back to ownership, which is, I mean, we need more ownership. Oh, yeah, I, you'd I, have to own I, that I, decision. <laughs> And I'm telling you, I, I, I throw that book out to people. All you need this book, and it just resonates so well. We we need more ownership. You know, when things aren't going the way we want, and everybody's blaming everybody, stop. Look in the mirror. Point the finger at that person. Start there. Start there. It all starts with me. I own this. But on the same token, you can't go too far too. Okay, I I don't mind sharing this story. Like I. I had an over ownership opportunity. Like things got so crazy and I made a decision. Right? Uh I and I made a decision and I felt good about the decision. And then somebody called me on the decision. Did you make this decision? I'm like, well, yeah. Why'd you do that? Well, because so and so didn't get back to me and it was due and I felt it was good enough, so I made that decision. Don't do that again. You're like you get your hand slapped so hard that for like two weeks I was beating myself up. Like, why did I do that? That's mm-hmm. really bad. You know what, though, Joe? Can uh, can I control how you react to anything that I do? No. No, I can't. So <laughs> I took some time to introspect and talk to people about it because it really did mess me up. Can, you, can I control somebody's reaction? No. In the moment, how did you feel about that decision? I felt really good about it. Okay. Was it a bad decision? No. Could you have made a better one? Maybe. Did anybody die? Nope. 
Okay. Right. Did the business, did the business go under from this decision? No. So why don't you be happy with that at the moment? You did the very best job you could with the decision that you made and you can't control how other people are going to react to it. And you had an opportunity to learn from that. And hopefully you won't do the same thing again and, and beat yourself up. Cause that I'm really good at that. Cause you know, when you're a good person, you want to do good things. And so when things don't go the way you want them to go, it's like, Oh yeah. But nah, I don't know. In your job, Joe, are you, are you saving babies in your job? <laughs> no, <laughs> not by any measure. <laughs> I'm not, not saving babies in my job. So what, if I'm not saving babies in my job, um, does it matter if something's maybe a, oh, heaven forbid, a day or two late because things are crazy? Heavens no. No way. Is the business going to go under because something's a day or two late? Nope. Are people going to get a little miffed? Maybe. But I'm not saving babies, so it's okay. If I'm saving babies, then that's different, right? If I'm saving babies, that's different. I had somebody, man, I, I jumped through hoops for somebody a couple weeks ago. And I, just before recording, I got an email, like I sent them the wrong document and that, that document was due, like it was a fire drill kind of document. Like I need this, I need this, I need this, and I need it today. I'll do the best I can. I need it. I need it. I need it today. So we crisis manage and then I found a way to get it done. And then I get the email today. This was weeks ago, Joe. Yeah, I just uh, took a look at this. Am I missing something? Why are you looking at it now? Yeah, I thought you needed this two weeks ago. <laughs> so now when said individual is going to come to me, I need this today. Nope, not getting it today. Because I, I busted my ass to get you something in an emergency so I could make everybody else happier. And you didn't even bother to look at it. Well, that's not on me. That's on you. But I will say that that's one thing that I, I need to work on. And I don't know how good you are at this. Are you good at self-care, Joe? You take care of yourself pretty good? Uh, I mean, yeah, for the most part. I Like kind of what I mentioned earlier with the uh, ruminating. Like when I read that article on what ruminating was and then strategies for how to identify it and deal with it, I feel like that was a huge step in self-care for me because I would sit and you know, I worry about shit that right. in the end it was, it was, you know, it was, it was terrible. It was, there was no, no good was coming of what I was doing. Right. You know, uh -huh. I was just like sitting, just focusing on something that was making me upset that in the end it was, I was only causing self harm by, by ruminating on these negative thoughts. And so once I, you know, learned those strategies of the, um, the like the strategy I employ is very much like if you're meditating and and you're just trying to keep your mind clear, which is, you know, it's a difficult process and you need to just recognize that when your mind is pursuing a stray thought, that that's what it's doing. And you just let that stray thought go and you go back to your state of, you know, trying to keep your mind clear. And that's the same thing you do with with when you recognize that you're ruminating is you just, oh. You know, inside your head, you're just, okay, I recognize that I'm just mulling over this same negative shit over and over and over again, and I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to consciously not think about that. And if I catch myself slipping back into that pattern of thought, I'm going to recognize that. And when I recognize it, I'm going to stop. 
And, you know, it isn't something you get right away. And, you know, depending on the severity of the the thing you're ruminating over, there's varying levels of difficulty on how easy it is to let go. But I feel like it's been very successful. That's cool. Switching careers helped a lot, too. Or switching jobs. Oh, sure. <laughs> that last job I had was it was so stressful that it was it was really ruining my mental health and so really kind of uh confronting the fact that like oh I really need to find something else and then pursuing that that was a, a huge positive step as well. Mm. Fitness yeah, I have tend- also not you gotta go out and try and do something active every day, get those endorphins going because they're gonna help. Oh yeah, hundred percent. One hundred percent. I I have this really bad habit of taking care of everybody else first. And I got to get into a better habit of taking care of myself first. So like getting time with Joe, taking care of myself first. Right? Yeah, it's like Good if the stuff, plane's right? going down, you got to put that oxygen mask on yourself first. Oh, but when you grow up and you, you watch others do the opposite, you know, then it just becomes part of, oh man, it becomes part of, your DNA and you know how uh, how things work for you. So that's one thing that I'm I'm working on. Like um, you know, we all have a record in our head that we play every day, and I don't know what's on your record, but I know for me, I'm trying. Um, and I do this every day. I spend when I meditate, I spend the first five minutes just saying over and over and over that I love myself. I'm trying to trying to write a, a new groove in in that record of of love for yourself. Um, and I'm better. Am I a hundred percent? No, no, I'm not. Right. So like when I look in the mirror, I want to see handsome old man shooty. And when I look in the mirror, I'm like, Oh, I got to fix that. Oh, I'm going to do that. Um, for a guy my age to be under 200 pounds, doing pretty good. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I got to feel good about that. I'm in a, I'm not going to brag. I'm in a size medium shirt. I'm wearing it right now. And I'm like, oh, I want it to fit better, and I want this, or I want that. I'm like, I should be ecstatic that I'm in a size medium shirt. Holy crap. Oh, like, no kidding. You know, <laughs> n- not too long ago, I was in a triple X. Like, a decade ago, I was in a triple X shirt. Um, and so, you know, loving yourself is really important, and you got to take that time to do that. Um, and, I, you know, in, in my meditation, I, I don't, I, I love that you go clear. I, for me, I tend to just really, um, do a lot of, uh, oh my goodness, gratitude stuff in my meditation. And then a lot of what I would call manifestation talks. Like, you know, the world is a reflection of how we feel. I know we've talked about that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And trying to remind myself like, hey, you know, everything's always working out for me. You know, going back to the um, opportunities that didn't turn out for me, right? Well, imagine, imagine if I had gotten one of those opportunities and then all this health shit hit it at the same time. Well, I'd have been screwed, you know, because normally new jobs, you don't get health care for at least the first 30 to 60 days. And then I'm trying to, you know, start off on a good foot. Well, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I I, I got to go get my colonoscopy. I'm going to be out a couple days because you, you don't work during prep, Joe. Just so you know, you, you can't work. Just <laughs> And you can't work <laughs> no, the day I'd after. No, I imagine you can't. You can't, right? You just can't. Um, so that worked out, you know what I'm saying? So there was a reason why that happens or everything happens for a reason. And I, uh, I feel good. Tell yourself and really think on, you know, I I love how it feels when everything's going my way. 
Yeah, who doesn't love that? <laughs> but everything is going your way, though, Joe. You just got to remind yourself that it is. I love. And by the way, if you feel that every day, like I love how everything is working out for me, more things will work out for you because that's how the law of attraction works. When I say this works, I swear to God. Do you ever do you ever get up and you go to your in basket at work and it's just full of a lot of drama first thing in the morning? That ever oh, happened to you? Yeah. Like every day, right? Not anymore. Used to be like that every day, though. Why not anymore, Joe? Uh, the job I have right now is just a lot more chill. Got it. Well, for me, my job is not as chill. Matter of fact, it's probably just as crazy. <laughs> but every it's, morning, it's just problems, it, problems now, right? <laughs> right. Well, no, well, every morning I tell myself, and, and I can't explain it other than I know it works. I love not having drama in my in-basket. And I really feel how good that is to look in my in-basket and there's no drama. And I swear to God, 99% of the, on the days that I meditate, on the days that I take, and by the way, I, I got a water table at the gym. It's like a little massage table. I go sit on that table and I put on some, you know, meditation stuff, tell myself I love myself and then go through the, you know, this kind of stuff. The days that I do that are 100% better than the days that I don't. And I can't, I can't deny that. It's just true. Looking back at it, like that's true. So the days that I skip it are days when shit goes crazy. And that's because, you know, our our mind is incredibly powerful and, and has more impact on us than we realize. But again, I am so grateful that, or I I, I love what it, how it feels when, um, when everything's going my way. I love having no drama in my in basket. I get on my in basket, no drama. None. Or if there is a little bit of trauma, it doesn't feel that big anymore. Because I already told me it's it's I already told myself that it's no big deal. And as such it it's really no big deal. And so man, I you know, mindfulness is such a big part of what we need to do in the Renaissance too, Joe. You know, organizations that understand mindfulness and the the impact of mindfulness and and the good that can come out of mindfulness are are ones that are gonna win too. We have wellness rooms in the new office, believe it or not. Like, if I need to go lay down, there's a room in it with a bed, and I can go take a nap or whatever I need to do to, to feel better. That's pretty cool. I like that. Again, yeah. no one's thing, so you know. But I don't know how how do, does it work for you when when you get still and you get that quiet place? Do you find that you have better days? I mean, yeah, I I, I think meditations like that. I it's been a while since I was like really diligent with it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes a huge, huge difference. And also, like, you know, like, God, I don't remember what the exact comparison was. Something like 20 minutes of meditation is, like, it's almost equivalent to, like, four hours of sleep. Like, it, oh, can, yeah. it can make you feel very, very refreshed. And, you know, mindfulness is always a good thing. Man, 100%. I, I remember when I, the first time I started meditating, it was the, I, I remember I was working at a convenience store. And it was like dealing with some of the customers in that place would just make me so mad. Like, like I swear, the most angry I've ever been in my life. I mean, but that's just how it goes doing customer service. You know, when you're dealing yeah. with the general public and customers and stuff like that, after a while, it can really drive you fucking crazy. And that was when I first started meditating. I remember I'd go in the back in the walk-in cooler and I would just sit crisscross applesauce on top of like stacks of like cases of beer and I just sit in that <laughs> that nice like forty degree cooler, and 
you know, back then my meditation routine was I would picture like a, a beach with the water rolling in and rolling out. And I'd picture that sound. And every mm-hmm. time the water would roll out, I would breathe out. And when the water would roll in, I would breathe in. And anytime any other thought would intrude, it'd be like, get away, get away. Nope. I'm, I'm on my, I'm, I'm on my beach. And yeah, I'd do that for five minutes and then come out and it'd be like, I feel so much better. I, I don't feel crazy angry anymore. I can go deal with this next, you know, lunatic person that's going to come up to my cash register. Right. Yeah. Everybody should have to work, you know, part of their life in retail, in my humble opinion. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> like the Israelis, you got to spend a couple of years in the military. I think we'd all be better if, if everybody knew how awful people are in retail and maybe people would be less awful because I experienced it. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people. I think COVID for sure showed us there's a fuckload of people in this country that are absolutely self-centered, you know, to a, to a level that's destructive to society as a whole. So, I mean, is there any changing those people? I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think so. I think so. Um, you know, one of the things that I tell myself a lot of times too, like it's not necessarily their fault. Oh no. I think everybody's a product of, I'm a big believer in nurture over nature. And I, and I think that people are a product of the environments that they came mm-hmm. from, the, right. the, the people that whether they knew it or not, were the ones that were programming their brains. And, right. you know, I even catch it in myself sometimes. Where like somebody will say something and I'll just pop off with something and then I'll be like sit and think about it a little bit later. I'll be like, is that really how you think? Or is that just what you heard at a young age? And so some, you know, usually when that happens, I'll pursue it and and think about it <laughs> and be like, is that really your opinion? Or are you just repeating somebody else's opinion that you heard? Because that's easier than actually, you know, doing the work to form your own opinion on something. Right. Well, it's kind of easier, but. If I think about people that um, aren't doing the things that I want them to do, uh, or let's say your boss is a real piece of work, right? Like sometimes I'll just say, well, you know, it's not necessarily their fault because who's teaching them any different? Or do we have a program in place that'll teach and hold other people accountable for being better at what they do? And if the answer is no, well, then it's not their fault. They're just modeling the behavior above them. Yeah. Or modeling behavior that that has worked for them in the past, you know, until I see something different and is told that this will work and I'm being held accountable to it. And then, you know, we 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 look at those things, then why would I change? We already talked about change is hard and change is painful. So sometimes it's easier, right? Uh, It's easier to go ahead and, and point fingers and not take ownership and and um, just continue to be the person that you were because it's, it's all you know. You know, you look at women and men who are in abusive relationships and then they get the courage to leave but they come back because it's so much more comfortable being in that abusive relationship even though it's devastating, sometimes deadly, than being out in something that they don't know. Yeah. But the only way you get through that, Joe, is to have somebody hold your hand and say, I've got you, we're going we're gonna to do this together. The change is scary and it does help to have that hand to hold on to and someone else to help you go through that journey. Because like you're saying, even if it is something that's potentially, you know, not a good situation, if, you know, people will run back to that, which is comfortable and familiar. And hundred percent. 
hundred percent. They do. We do it all the time because we're just, that's kind of the way things are, but yeah. So, you know, enjoy your ride through the Renaissance. Um, and it's going to get bumpy. It's going to be bumpy for a little bit. I'm, I'm hopeful. I had a conversation with somebody just yesterday about what we're going through right now. Right. And here's the, here's what encouraged me is that there wasn't a lot of hellfire and brimstone chatter around the table. It was more of, we've been through this before because we have and one, you know, depending upon what's going on. And if we work together, we'll, we'll get through it. And I, that made me feel good because I believe that on, on some levels, that's very true. You know what I'm saying? And we have there, we have things that are in place in at least in American society that, will help us make those adjustments when people do really ridiculous things and then it'll eventually get better. Now, if it doesn't get better, I have bigger problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it'll go back up. I mean, maybe we're not supposed to talk about this. You can edit it out if you want to, but stock market's tanking. It'll go back up. You know, we just, there are things that need to get done and we'll do those things. It'll be painful and it'll go back up. I just want the I just want them to hurry the fuck up and get gas prices back to a reasonable level, get the cost of groceries back to a reasonable level like the inflation lately has just been it's been absolute budget killer <laughs> number one. Oh, no, no, but I, also, I, it's I totally just get it. Ridiculous. It's like come was, on. You can't have well, these companies these are... posting record profits at the same time they're gouging us all on all these prices. It's just rude. Well, there we have infrastructure opportunities, right? We have the you know we there there are less truckers getting us our food and then those that are are spending more on gas so they got to pass that along. We had the with the bird flu killed a bunch of chickens. I mean a lot of chickens. So that, that's why chicken is up. I, I love chicken. Oh yeah, chicken, no, I noticed that with the price of chicken went up, way up, right? Um, and yeah, there they are concerted like, efforts. They had to call like millions of birds. Yeah, yeah, and so you know. Oh man, I, and I hate to do this, but there are big discussions going on right now about all this stuff. And the only way it gets fixed, Joe, is if those people in those discussions are actually actively trying to work together to solve the problem. And I'm not confident that that's going on. I, no. I'm not confident that <laughs> that they're actively trying to solve the problem. No, it doesn't seem that way. Well, but. Yeah, I don't know. The, the government needs to start getting a lot better at, at... I mean, obviously, they need to get a lot better at working together, and they also need to start getting better at creating a law that doesn't have a bunch of extra pork written into it. Oh, It's like, hey, how seven. about we just do a law that just takes care of this baby formula? And that's it. It doesn't have anything else written into it, so that way it's clear and transparent when it's like, oh, did you... Uh, all the Republicans, none of them voted for baby formula. And it's like, okay, well, that was a, was that a stance of just fuck Joe Biden? Or was that a stance of there's other shit written into this bill that they don't want to vote for? So I don't really know what's going on. All I know is I don't really trust either side. I don't trust any career politician. I, I think a lot of this shit is, is dirty and filthy and, and money is money is fucking absolutely ruined American politics. I think ever since Citizens United passed, it's been a fucking shit show. Right. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Hey, we've done so good at steering away from politics. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We got that. That was my bad. No, it's 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 okay. It's okay. Everybody who listens I mean, to this show knows my stance. It's like, oh, Joe's going to start stomping on his, you know, <laughs> on his soapbox again. But um, well, no, that's fine. No, we had a we had a very peaceful, loving conversation about <laughs> Elon Musk. You know, not too long ago. No, I've had you know, a great conversation it, with you tonight. We're learning about the Renaissance and whatnot. Well, it, now think about it though. So here's my challenge for everybody: if you agree with me. Imagine this, a, a, that that you have the opportunity. If you know it, then you can enjoy it, right? And you can take advantage of it. If you think about past renaissances, if you think about, I don't know, the one that comes to mind, like the art renaissance, we, that you go to the Renaissance Fest that everybody's kind of celebrating. That. Yeah, Did the they end know? of the Dark Ages. Did they know they were in a renaissance? No. They had no idea they were they were in it. But we do. We know, and as such, because we know, we can enjoy some of the aspects of it. We could take part in it, and we can make real change. This is what I believe. I believe that I have the opportunity to believe that anybody and everybody that's listening to my voice has the opportunity to make real change for themselves and for maybe even just one other person in your life. I don't care who that person is. Well, if you want to be ambitious and you want to be you want to you want to make change for more people like like weirdos like me that, that you could do that. And I, I talked about you know the guest on um, the fabulous learning there's that Matthew Taylor after it was done like we're not a Joe Rogan podcast at all I don't I'm, I'm not love pop culture leftovers good on Brian for getting sponsorship was it he's in uh, blue is it blue onion. I think it was definitely blue something. It's blue something. Blue, <laughs> the blue man group. He's in that group, right? I'm going to make money. God bless you, man. That's awesome. Are we at that level? No. But we were talking after after the interview. He's like, you know, your passion project that you've got here is really inspiring. Right? Because there isn't anybody that I've talked to and there isn't anybody that, I, that I'm working with that doesn't recognize that all we're really trying to do is get a message out there of hope and try to make people's lives better. Ah, dude, that segues perfectly. I was going to ask you about your podcast. Oh, I know. It's my time to pimp the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I have a show with David Isaac. It's called, oh, you know what? We have to have a reunion show. I'm, I'm at that point now where I think I'm going to have to do one. <laughs> I know it's been so long since there's been a Tales from the Yard. I was like, but you, I, I know that the the fabulous learning nerds is really your passion project. And so I understand why we haven't gotten a tales from the yard in a very long time, but Oh, that well, is exciting. It, but but it, you know what though? I, I should, David would jump on it. He'd be like, fuck you, of course. And then, you know, get awesome. That'd be great. Get a bunch of people to talk. But you know, when you've got a show like that, that's not safe for work. I mean, there's no way. Hey, everybody, I've got a podcast and you want to check this out. <laughs> I would have got a phone call, right? Like, what are you doing? So I wanted to have oh, yeah. something I could put yeah. out there, right? And then um, there are some people that have listened to it. That, that's hilarious. And it is hilarious and it's good and all that good stuff. But yeah, we, um, David, uh, excuse me, Daniel Coonrod, Abby Dawson, and myself run a show called The Fabulous Learning Nerds. We publish shows weekly, bi-weekly. <laughs> depends, on, depends on how crazy things get. Um, usually every other week, but sometimes other than that. And we really talk to an audience of leaders, um, uh, learning professionals, whether you're in instructional design or school, we've talked to principals and K through 12 teachers and, 
um, performance experts and whatnot, all with a message of, hey, here's some things that apply to the Renaissance, right, that um, can make things better. And I got to tell you, that's been so great. Like, it's the best part of my week. We usually record on a Sunday morning. We did two shows in. Um, and then I'll edit those shows. And then two weeks later, we'll do it again. Um, really great time. The, the cool thing about when that, when you're focusing in on, and I'm not here to, if, if you want to talk about poop knives and you want to talk comic books, that's fantastic. There's a place for that and you should love it and you should feel great about it, especially if the quality of the work is authentic and genuine. It's yours. You should feel proud of that. That's fantastic. Where I'm at, I'm proud of the work and I'm proud of what we do. Gosh darn it, if I haven't met so many amazing people and I'm a better person for it. And I'm not telling you to go ahead and subscribe to my podcast because you'll be a better person. Maybe you will. I'm telling you, Joe, that I'm a better person for it. Like I'm smarter now and I have great ideas and great concepts that I get to bring to the people that I serve every day because of these amazing people that I talk to. And we'll, you know, if you were on the show, we, we, I, I'd pimp the living bejesus out of whatever you're doing. And we had Dunk on the show a couple, well, actually last year we had Duncan on the show. And we it was talked a great about episode. His, uh, oh, you listened to it. Oh, that's great. To- oh, wow. That's great. Thanks. Uh, that's one person. Um, <laughs> But, you know, and we pimped the living bejesus out of it. And then you and I were talking about we and man, things got in the way. But I do want to do a um, education through comics thing. And I, I just got sidetracked. They're going to get back on that. But, yeah, um, we we did that. Like, you know, the the law of exchange, like I'm going to make sure that we have fair exchange. You do something for me. I'm going to do something for you. And hopefully I have abundant exchange. Right. So if I do some you do something for me, I'm going to do a little bit more for you. Right. Um it's been great. And, um, I just, uh, I, I gotta get my poop in a group and there are things that I need to make time for within this passion project to really make it come alive. Like take, you know, create a, create a community in a, in a channel that isn't full of hate, like hate book and, and really be supportive in that. Um, all that takes time. Oh, yeah. uh, we're going to get there. Um, but I really appreciate that you listened to a few episodes. I think, I think we got something good. I had a guy um, last week. He goes, "I love your jingle." I'm like, "Yeah, it's not too bad." Like, if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna do a podcast, spend some money. I'll give you. Oh, I guess I forgot. I got to give him the link for this. Like, spend the money, get a good jingle, man. And if I if I'm honest, that's what kept me in pop pop culture leftovers at the get was their freaking jingle, right? <laughs> I'm like, this is great. No one's doing this shit. This is awesome. I want to hear that jingle again. Um, but yeah, no, uh, we're doing some good things. And um, in time, we hope to do some better things. And the last thing I'll say, I was at Learning Solutions um, a couple of weeks ago out in Orlando. And my team, my team, my work team, they left. Uh, but I made a point to get to know those people that run that. And I'm hoping, hoping uh, we could put a proposal together and actually do a, a, a live podcast at one of their shows. That's what, that's my goal. Like in the next year, I got somebody hold me accountable to this. Like I want to get in front of a group of my peers and, and have them experience this kind of thing. Cause I really believe that, um, there's, 
there's power in the medium if you use it right. And it's a shit ton of fun if you do it right. So I just appreciate that, uh, that you make time for me, Joe. And allowed oh, me right to get back at you, dude. I love you. talking and about you. That allowed me, well, yeah, but you know, allow me to get deep and not spend too much time talking about seven shih tzus. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, dude, oh. thank you so much for coming on. I really had a blast talking with you. Um, not a problem. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Starkcast. Have a good one.